radio, radio voice. Hello and welcome to Guernsey Gigs fifth podcast with hosts me, Gregory Harrison, Graham Jordan and Elliot Maris. And our special guest today came over last night from Jersey. He's originally from South Africa, Nick Dinney. Hey, guys. How's it going, man? Very Thanks good. for coming along. Yeah, thanks Welcome. for having me. Yeah. I saw you playing last night, Nick, at the Golden Lines. Yeah. How was that? I mean, like, Greg and I, obviously, uh, you know, he, he mentioned to me that you guys had a cool, not cool about, about playing covers. <laughs> 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 but, uh, I mean, yeah, I've got a whole philosophy on all that stuff as well, I guess. And if you guys want to get into that, we can. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. do it, do it. But, um, yeah, the Golden Line was cool, man. Like, I always find that, you know, public bars that you're kind of invited to as a musician i feel like you've also got a, a bit of a duty to kind of entertain the you know 80 percent of people who aren't necessarily there to see the band sure yeah but who aren't music nerds sitting in the corner going yeah very interesting <laughs> oh, he, played, he played a minus seven flat five when he should have played a minus seven yeah. <laughs> they're primarily there for their mates and for the beer yeah, exactly yeah. you know and i mean Sing like along. I, yeah so i mean yeah, I, you know, we can get into that quite heavily because I am lucky enough to, to do music full time, you know. So I, I do try and think about these things on a conscious level and think yeah. about, you know, like this is my duty to myself and I need to be real about all these different aspects. It's not just fluky, oh, cool, you wrote some songs, you're famous. Sure. This is your path, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a little standing wave here, which is quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been well hang on what's a standing wave it's a it's a sound wave that's trapped between two planes oh okay builds on itself because it doesn't ever move yeah exactly. just gets trapped there it's just okay. trapped there like ghosts you said about like a sense of responsibility about that so yeah. being a full-time musician you kind of recognize that when you're doing just public pub gigs yeah. that you're kind of there as an entertainer really in yeah. some ways and that's not necessarily playing your own songs yeah. that's actually about playing other people's songs but do you try and do those in a way that is very different very unique or do you try and do a bit of a carbon copy oh you know i don't like to try and spend too much time on it i see it for myself i see it as a way in so okay. let me let me put it this way like i'll get booked to play in guernsey i've never met anybody in guernsey before I'll go down to the pub, I'll entertain, I'll make sure the management's happy and they'll have me back at any point. And then I'll make it a conscious effort to meet the people in the scene. Okay. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and, and, and try and get on their level and chat to them about like how they, how things are working for them. And like, because I think um, it's also, you really need to know the people who can support you mm. in, in mm. sort of structures. Cause I mean, coming over to Jersey, I didn't know anybody at all. So. You have to make a conscious effort to go and meet people, see who the relevant players are, who are guys that are just doing it purely for their own self-gratification, which is awesome, you know, and they get mm -hmm. to do wild stuff. And it's always like really pleasing to a musician's ear to hear that, but then they aren't necessarily doing it as a job, you know, or trying mm -hmm. to like break new ground or, or mm -hmm. go to different places and, you know, experience they're just, that just they're, they're, they're kind of happy in their own kind of and sphere awesome, and their, yeah. their role and they're taking risks and making new music maybe see but they also understand that at the end of the day their bills are paid through the work they put in Monday to Friday sure yeah yeah you find that do you find at any point that doing that the full time thing um, does it 
does it take away from playing the music or enjoying or writing at some point? And as you talk, talk to writers who write for the press or something who are originally writers and wrote their own stuff. Mm. And as they write every day, it sort of seems to, mm. to take that away. And there's the, the debate we brought up in a few podcasts ago, uh, how some people, they could be working in a factory every day, supporting their music career, but at least they're doing the music and they enjoy that. But and, and it's full of passion. Yeah, and it's just doing that. But you find that it's harder to write when you're um, when you do it full time, or is it? Is no, it actually, I um, I don't know if it's just my pure, purely my experience or, or sort of how I've I've kind of come across things. It's just that the more I've gotten into it, the more I'm constantly learning, and the more yeah. I, the more I'm realizing that I'm nowhere near <laughs> where I'd like to be as a musician. You know, and. I mean, it's a double, double-edged sword because you keep progressing, but at the same time, <clears throat> you're also alienating yourself from that innocence, if you can call it that. You know, like the first time you, you were like 14 or whatever and you picked up a guitar and you wrote a song and you were like, that's it. That's the essence that's of the me. the best song that's ever going to be made. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is going to get me famous. I'm going <laughs> to succeed. I'm going to make millions. I'm a rock star now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it takes you further away from mm. that. Mm. That ignorance, let me put it that, that yeah. ignorance where it's bliss, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, I think there's that, that, that sort of thing about people who, uh, who, who are poorly educated think that they're very intelligent. And then people who are very intelligent think they're not intelligent enough. Yeah. So, like, there's that sort of weird arc of at what point are you intelligent or yeah. what point do you discover that you're not good enough? Well, I, I definitely know that I'm probably the brightest around this <laughs> Yeah, table, which probably sure. indicates that you probably aren't. <laughs> well, you According are. According to science, because you're wearing white. So you are definitely the brightest. <laughs> and I see that, Graham, you've turned up with no clothes again. I, oh, I just don't Graham. care. I don't Love, care. Uh, I wanted no. to say a great penis, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Cheers. Uh, there is sausage on the table as well. <laughs> Try not to get confused between the two. <laughs> I don't want to be slicing up one of those. Oh. Girth. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> not so much on the length side. Yeah. So back to music, then. Yeah. <laughs> So you've been over in Jersey for a year now. We were talking about yeah, last. I think I remember most of our conversation last night, but um, <laughs> it was definitely um, yeah. entertaining. It was, if it, I can it say was the a least. good convo. Yeah. Yeah. It there was, was very nice. many drinks were were drunk. Yeah. And um, it was a lovely evening. Yeah. Um, and there was a great show. Really nice show. Oh yeah, I loved um, Llewellyn's band. Yeah, the Wen Van Eden Savage Sons. Savage Sons. Yeah, I think. Who are brilliant on the scene at the moment. Yeah. That drummer. Um, he, I, I think they started the band and he had never is it Adam yeah, Powell Adam. Mm. had never played drums and so their first few gigs people were going what is he doing on that drum kit yeah. <laughs> but he's sort of gradually built up and it's got better and better yeah. and that was one of the best shows I've seen them play yeah. actually it was, yeah it was really good really tight and I can bring up a little point on that um, so I'll give you guys a little backstory um, in 2005 I think it was 2005 December I'd finished my jazz degree and it was my first year out of uh, college or university or whatever you guys want to call it. And that December, after living, after doing waitering for like four or five months, where I just couldn't anymore. <laughs> and then I started playing in coffee shops and I just started doing, you know, like jazzy stuff. <clears throat> in my mind thinking, you know, this is the responsible way to do covers because I'm, I'm being jazzing them up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that December I bumped into a group of, of um, 
guys, it was um, actually my brother-in-law and two of his school friends. And they were like, you know, we've started this little band. Do you want to come and hear what we sound like? And I was like, yeah, okay, no expectations, you know. Walk into like this little backroom garage type scenario. <laughs> this is all in South Africa. South Africa, yeah. yeah. It's like piping hot in December, so it's like 32 degrees. Or like here in Guernsey today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> solid 16. <laughs> Everybody's sweating. Oh, it's way too hot. Graham's naked as well. Yeah. <laughs> Greg's sweating for other reasons. <laughs> Setting cider. <laughs> but uh, then we just got together in this little backroom and and the guys were jamming and I was like, you know, this is super feel good music, indie disco type, a little bit of African influence. And um, I said to the guys, it sounds great, you just need a bass player. And they were like, well, do you want to play bass? And I said to them, I've got some conditions. We rehearse and we play <laughs> gigs, you know? Because mm. I think, <clears throat> I don't know yeah. if it's the same here, but back in South Africa, there was definitely this, as a musician, you'd get caught up in a lot of projects that just never go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, guys would be like, oh yeah, you should come and jam with us. And then you get involved, but it'll be like two months between a rehearsal and nobody ever knows the stuff. Yeah. yeah. A, a gig's There's no continuity then. You can't yeah, keep exactly, things you know. going. You can't build on ideas. Yeah, and mm. I find like to have goals like that, to, to just say to yourself, well, the first gig's booked, you know? Mm. So the challenge is there. Yeah, and, and you aim to that ready. and you've got to get it done. But yeah. I think a lot of bands do that and I've spoken to a lot and they sort of, oh, we're not quite ready. But just book the gig. Yeah. That's and cool. go for it and I think you get so much better so much quicker remember I was booking gigs and making up songs on the night thankfully it was in France so they didn't understand the lyrics <laughs> <laughs> but just making up because I didn't have enough to fill in the set and you just write stuff like that and more just book it go for it do it mm. rather than that whole not quite right and it's never perfect it's like albums that spend mm. the people that record for years yeah. and never never release it never release it because it's not quite right but that's because that album, I suppose, to a certain extent, is that's what you were at that time. That's a mark of, yeah. and then the next album would just be better because you've yeah. got better mm. and you've practiced. You'd hope, <laughs> well, yeah, it <laughs> seems to go downhill for a lot of people. <laughs> when, when we haven't had a gig for a while, I often just sneak one in and I say, "Oh, guys, we've got a gig coming up in a couple of months. Maybe we should get some practices in." <laughs> yeah, that that sure. immediately, guess, don't tell them, but they get they pull their things out. <laughs> I, God, I hope they're not listening to yeah, this. Yeah. If only someone was recording this. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is not going to, online, is it, at all? <laughs> to come back to our first yeah, point yeah, about yeah. the drums. <laughs> it's, um, when I met the three guys, like none of them had uh, been like formally musically educated or anything mm. like that. And the drummer was just like, you know, I like this kind of beat and I, I kind of know how to play it. And he just grew in the, in the decade we were a band. And, you know, in hindsight the last few years of playing with him because I was playing bass in the band and the rhythm section was just so tight and I could honestly say that guy is that when you're looking for someone that plays indie disco dance he would be my first call because he ah. he just feels that music mm. so it wasn't like somebody sat him down and said this hand here this is what you're going to do that's interesting so yeah. it's almost like he came from the heart and not from the head exactly so yeah. he didn't decide I'm going to be a drummer I'm going mm. to learn I'm going to work through the grades yeah. I'm going to cerebrally threw himself kind of into learn the situation yeah. he just started it, it's playing this, is I this a proof that. that drums isn't a real instrument <laughs> and oh. I was just about to say does anyone choose really to play the drums <laughs> or the bass or do they just want to play something so they can be in a band 
that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's the first <laughs> instrument, though, the drum isn't it? Drums, the first the instrument. Sense. It's er, everyone can play the drums. I think mm. it's just everyone can keep a beat. Yeah, yeah. well, so, I mean, to I'm, a not extent. About, I'm not talking about drum kit. Mm. I'm not talking about mm. glockenspiel. I'm talking Gembe about djembe or, or hitting something. It's very, <laughs> very immediate, right from early development you know if you can reach out yeah. and you, you grab a, a piece of cutlery or a wooden spoon or something you start hitting something immediately you get this connection of sound so you get immediate feedback but you get that, that sensation going through you get the vibration as well so mm. it's a very and the heartbeat even before you're born you, you get a sense mm. of rhythm and sort of beat Ooh, oh, that's very deep. deep. That's Is that why people deep. think drummers are like cavemen? They're just <laughs> <laughs> smacking the original. That's nice. I suppose you, but people, <laughs> even without realizing it, you can get it. You accelerate a piece or or the way you talk or something like that. Whether you say it slowly or faster will have such an impact on someone if you sort of speed it up and it makes that's, you very yeah, angry. That's and like that, a full on, yeah. you could do a course in like how do you and how it's people, yeah, yeah, influence people with rhythm. So what happened to the band in South Africa that you were talking yeah. about then? So did that, that, did that was, grow? Yeah, that band was called Desmond and the Tutus. Oh yeah, mm. and we I've um, heard of that name. Yeah, yeah, we were lucky. We were really lucky in back in the MySpace days. Maybe oh yes, <laughs> we were picked up. Uh, we we had a remix done by a friend called King of Town, who's now based in London, a producer. But he was also a political analyst or something. So heavy dude. Mm. But he remixed one of our tracks, which got picked up by a French label called Tiger Sushi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Kim, those guys. So they released it on vinyl which was then sent over to a small record shop in Japan, <laughs> which which wow. became our first tour to Japan, was supporting that little release. Cool. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, and we did That's two amazing how that tours. happened. Yeah, it just, just pops off like Just that, connections. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Is, yeah, I mean, the internet, in terms of that, mm-hmm. especially from South Africa, you you know, you're so disconnected there. And it's, it's so far from everything that it, it really is a mission to get out of there, you know what I mean? So I think it was purely through that and the hype that was just generated from that that kind of kicked the band off. And we did Sweden a couple of times and we did um, England as well, very briefly. We did a, sh- we did a show at the Sub Club in uh, Glasgow. Which is that for a, a club for submissives? <laughs> uh, I don't know what I was doing in the weekdays. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they had all that leather. Right next door to the Dom Club. Yeah. But uh, there was a, a DJ called Optimo. I don't know if you guys have heard the name. Yeah, no. So he was a pretty, pretty famous Scottish uh, DJ and he had us over for one of his parties. And that was crazy because it was like a Sunday night and at midnight they opened the doors. Nice. Mm. I got some Monday morning. And then wow. at 3 a.m. they shut the place down. So it's only open for three hours. <laughs> Whoa. And On a Sunday. Rammed, man. Whoa. Packed. 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 Maybe that's what we should be doing over here. Yeah. That Maybe that's great. the way to get people to gigs, is to do the to start at 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's rocking up there completely in Waste. the party yeah. mood. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. And this is like the final bit of the weekend, you know. And it was great because in between, there was like no stop. You just had the DJs banging it. And then when the band was ready, so we basically sound checked. The, the the engineer had his cans on. Everything was done as soon as we were ready, straight into straight the band. In. When we were done, straight back to the DJ. You know, so there was just That's like great. boom, solid. And was um, that party. was that music dance music? The the dance uh, the, between, uh, Desmond yeah. and the Tutus. Yeah, that's kind of like was your music dance. It's kind of like Franz Ferdinandy type okay. dancey rock. 
Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Four to the floor, kicked around the hallway. Yeah. Because you played in quite a few bands. Yeah, I've, 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 I've dabbled. <laughs> I've still few, dabbled. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. a band whore, like some uh, of us. I don't know about a whore. I try, <laughs> I try and be loyal to whatever the, the calling is. Like, I, I didn't join too many. I've never really been one for joining other people's bands. Mm. It's, I've always tried to push like my own, my own agenda. Your own ideas. And, yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's always crazy with hindsight because you think it's going to help you mold your future ideas. But I'm starting to think that maybe it's also a bit of a crutch, you know. Mm. It's tricky. How do you mean? Yeah, tell us more about that. So I'll, I'll look back on all of those different careers of mine. So I had another band called Float Parade, which was more an R&B, jazzy kind of laid back soul type endeavor. Presumably that's band. Flo, F-L-O. No. No, F-L-O-W. No, no, F-L-O-A-T, Parade. Oh, float. Float, float, float Parade. parade. I like a floater. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Greg. <laughs> so that's Hangover that's a, Mind kicking that's in. That's a very different kind of brain. <laughs> that's a very different kind of band oh, as well. Yeah, right. I just see like a stream now. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah, yeah and then like I wrote all the songs for that, but, but more in a, in a different kind of headspace. Because obviously with the Tutus, um, Shane was the lyricist and you know it would kind of he would bring the lyrics and we would know what we need to do it's like cool guys you just got to keep people happy and dancing with like a rocky edge so the bass plots are not you know rocket science for mm. that you just go in and you smash it you know and then on the other hand I was writing but all this like soulful stuff was coming out and I was trying to like make it in some way I was trying to think about a commercial aspect of that even though it wasn't because you know like being that sort of young white South African, there was the, generally a rock sound that went with you. It wasn't this kind of soul R&B sound that I was trying to get into. But, you know, like I always think I've had a misconception about commercial, you know, it's, it's mm. never really what you think it is, you know. Mm. And I think that's a bit of a trap. So that's what I'm trying to refer to, you know. So like mm. now when I'm, I'm kind of come in with a clean slate, but I have three projects that I'm, constantly working on the one is the acoustic one which i call alex and her and that's purely just acoustic and vocal and i don't put any restrictions on that one it's just whatever comes out of me and it's in its purest form and it is what it is you know i don't have any expectations although i feed into it gradually because i think of that as more of a long-term project and then i have <clears throat> hot plastic which is the rock project mm. but i'm conscious about that project so i try and write songs that i think will be good in the space that they're in. So I'm not like trying to change who I am or what the sound is, because I don't think you can do that. I think you can give yourself parameters, but if there's a parameter that doesn't work with you, you're just going to bounce off of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you break through it, but then you're going to know that this isn't what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? It's and hot plastic still then, because you were talking the, the <clears throat> bassist is yeah, moved Jay, away. Yeah, Jay's gone off to the Czech Republic. She ran off with, the, with her lover. Right. <laughs> so I was, the better I was reason. baseless, yeah. Oh. And uh, we had a really good run, actually. I, I met Jay in, um, I think it was last year, February. And I said to her, you know, I'm looking to start something up. I want to hit the ground running. I have 10 tunes. She was like, give me the bass lines. She learned the stuff. Oh, she's one of the coolest basses oh, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Like, she is, she is so cool. We, we saw it, at, we were at Reasons Festival. Yeah. And you're playing in Rojo's and that afterwards and everyone, all the girls, all the blokes are like, who the fuck is that bassist? 
She was so groovy. She just didn't didn't move. The face expression was just there and just grooving. Yeah. The whole way through, I was like, oh, nice. she's so badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was definitely like a draw card in that plot. But you're getting another bassist up and that's still running. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Still so, running. yeah, there's there's a couple, like, I, I was a bit despondent when she left. I was like, oh, man, I, like, is this worth pursuing now again? Because, so mm. we had like a whole year's worth of build up and we did a bunch of gigs and it, it all sparked really nicely. It had a, quite a nice natural build to it, you know? And then she left and I was like, left a bit thinking like, oh, do I really want to invest more time in this? You know, where's my mind space at? And then I, I just decided, well, you know, I still, I think I still stand behind the songs that I've written. So I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, keep going. And I've been continuously writing and I'm trying to like get myself more into a suburban mindset because I absolutely love suburban rock sort of like arcade fire and yeah go, dating back to the smashing pumpkins broken social scene mm. all of those bands i just love that sound man like i always i want to be in a big car cruising down in the <laughs> with the sun setting kids skateboarding in the streets you know that is the epitome to me you know of like good living but now <laughs> i've got that combination in the back of my mind with I, I mean that's probably from all the music videos and shit i watched as a teenager yeah imprinting yeah, yeah. And now I'm trying to like throw my Jersey scene onto that because I've really tried to embrace the island life and go surfing as, because I, yeah. I grew up landlocked. So there was no sea around yeah. me. And I'm just like, go, I'm going to go surfing every day. And I get punished every day. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were saying uh, earlier that you found the uh, South Africa, like the music scene there was quite isolated. Yeah. Um, how do you find like living on an island and the music scene there like it's a different type of isolation surely yeah I mean it's always different hey you always got your little hurdles wherever you go I don't think there's any place that's just perfect you know mm. I mean I've, I've even played in Manhattan and I can promise you that it's not perfect there either you know it's it's an oversaturated market with pockets of cool yeah and it's all about who you mm. know and you need to work the scenes in all of these massive centers yeah. well, it's, it's yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing yeah. in London you know you've got to spend time Get to know the scene, get to know the people, be be proactive, and then you'll get. You've got to find the right ones, yeah. Yeah, and you've got to got to be willing to eat a lot of shit, dude. You know. Yeah, isn't <laughs> that true? But I mean, that's doing that's a load even, of shit gigs. We talked about yesterday yeah. how you've got to like battle through those ones, yeah, to, absolutely. And then you get the good one, and it's all worth it once mm -hmm. you've had that good one. But yeah. you've got to do ninety percent shit your gigs, teeth, man. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it. I think and something that just popped into my head now when we were chatting yesterday about effective gigging is using the shit gigs to become effective gigs. Mm -hmm. So mm. you know, like being proactive with decor, being proactive with your marketing. It's not always an option and it's not always viable, but you need to take those steps so that you know it's it's more than just turning up and playing a show, gig, especially yeah. now. I think we've brought this up a few times in the podcast, um, in mm. previous ones, but it's that sort of, everyone expects a show in a matter of seconds. So used to sort of being online and mm. having things fed to you straight away that you've, you've, we've got to up our game, I think generally as musicians and when you're putting on an event, doing something that's, that's yeah, more eye-catching, mm. that's more interesting, that you, uh, I suppose you see it as well as, as you, play full time like when the gigs work better or when they don't yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, you brought up something earlier which was quite interesting um, I just picked up you were saying being a white South African is there because I know nothing about mm. the South African scene apart from a few bands that have come over yeah. and 
But is there really a, a divide in sort of the black or the no, white in the music scene, or is it that it's, pretty? It's, it's not how I think. I mean, whenever people say race in South Africa, they immediately think in terms of like a racism thing. Mm. It's just more a cultural thing, actually. So it's just that there is um, a ton of different awesome African music that my generation of, of South Africans sort of born in the 80s weren't really exposed to on like a grand level. You know, we were sort of the remnants of the apartheid. So mm. we still had uh, reg regulated TV and that kind of stuff. And then wow. sort of in, in the 90s, that changed and it all became a lot more co, you know, crossed yeah. over a bit. Crossed over, mm. exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I think that that generation were, were really nicely saturated with like African and westernized. Do you think that through the apartheid afterwards, yeah. there was like almost a move towards to try and bring it closer together? Yeah. It was almost a yeah. like really big sort yeah. of... Definitely. Yeah. You had bands that had always been doing that, sort of pulling the two sides mm -hmm. closer together. And the arts are great at that, aren't they? Yeah, the the arts have always yeah. been there, subversively undermining authority yeah. in some ways and, and knitting together kind of exactly, cultures. Yeah. I know that, um, oh, who's the Talking Heads guy? David Byrne talks a lot about um, cities across Europe having this sort of international feel. And uh, he's very interested in, in the continent of Africa's <coughs> music. And he's always developed that right from the early 70s. If you listen to early Talking Heads, there's mm. lots of Afrobeat kind of rhythms in there and that really jangly kind of guitar sound. Mm. And he's talked about how that, uh, not only the arts, but like food as well, mm. like cuisine, how you've got areas in Paris, areas in London, areas in, in New York, this mismatch of different cultures yeah. and mm. flavors all, all mixing together. And it's yeah. not just music, but it's mm. it's whole loads of arts. Mm. And obviously the, the biggest uh, South African artist, music wise, is Paul Simon. Well, with, yeah, with the Greystone thing, I mean, he's a South African well, guy who really, who really brought up, you know, he did oh, that Graceland album. Man. It was so good. Paul We're Simon, just talking obviously with um, South Ellie Mitchell, who just went to Graceland last week, uh, saying, uh, were you singing Graceland the whole way down on the journey? Uh, of course I was. <laughs> it's got to be done. But you go to Graceland, that's going to be in your head straight away. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I got that um, album trapped in my tape machine in the van. Did you? And no. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a good one. It was yeah, up yeah, until, yeah, album, I think I've had a little break from it now after <laughs> yeah. two months of Graceland going round and round. Yeah, yeah. As Greg That's... just sat there trying to take apart his tape machine <laughs> desperately. Hey, hey God, was, I mean, <laughs> Stabbing the speakers. <laughs> Hell, I'm not. I'm in Varzon. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got diamonds on the sole. shoes. What is that song? <laughs> um, but that was I mean it, it, it's it's easy to be cynical about that album in particular saying oh that was that was the that was the album that sort yeah. of like made it happen and uh, and maybe Paul Simon was uh, you know just really trying to make a, a buck there in some ways but actually I, I don't know I think there was a genuineness about that I think well, I mean, it was it was it bound was, to happen and it, it put a flag in something you know, didn't it? It, it he it, was a it, pioneer in that anyway yeah, mm. yeah. whether or not he he, he capitalized on the musical or not that's mm. i mean you know if he didn't somebody else would have for sure. oh definitely yeah. and we've taught uh so there was south africa and you know you've been to river river south africa and now you've been oh, that, that came out weird <laughs> that, that's <laughs> definitely the hangover kicking in <laughs> um you're you've been in jersey for a year yeah 
Uh, you've seen the Guernsey team you played for, for last year yeah loved it um, which is yeah awesome mm. that was a and what did you like about it so I did Alderney as well I yeah. haven't done Sark yet so I'm really looking forward to that I met I actually met the guy from Sark in, in the in the dungeon at uh, Hell Earth <laughs> are we back to the sub club <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's our club, the yeah. Sark crowd the dungeon yeah, I'm uh, Ash, Ash was over who's from the Rex who still yeah, lives yeah. he's the only one that still lives over there at the moment but I think there was a guy it was like I think he's a French guy that organises Sark Roots or Sark Folk or one of the uh, yes yes um, I oh who does Sark Roots Festival yeah. um, Laszlo okay cool yeah, yeah so very nice yeah I did chat to him a little bit it wasn't enough to kind of make any formal yeah, yeah. A good one to approach. Like Roots is really up and sort of. It seems to be. It seems to be almost like just a muser's hangout more than anything else. <laughs> it's a brilliant festival. It's a really nice one. Um, and Sock Summer. I don't know if you're playing at that one this year, no, which is no. instead of Sock, Sock Folk Festival. No. Um, so basically, what I did for this year. So after last year went really well. Um, I had made a few plans to get over into London. But I'd been a bit busy with some production stuff, so that all didn't kind of come to pass as much as I thought it would. And so I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit for this summer, but it's fine because mm. it's given me a little time to work on hot plastic. And do you find what do you find? There's a difference between what you've seen on the Guernsey or the Jersey scene. I mean, we look at we got Jersey gigs open up now, and mm. um, we see the events that go up in Jersey mm. um, or we when we try to book bands in general and it does seem to be mainly dominated by cover bands yeah and karaoke and karaoke um, but is there like it, what's the scene like over there like yeah, what's, what's happening who's new on the scene what's what's to be honest it, it's it's a tricky scene because there are a few places that will have you but then you kind of feel like there are other obstacles in the way as well. And then I must say, like, I've, I've been really um, lucky with some of the venues. Like, I mean, the Troubadour is an amazing venue, but they book a year in advance. So mm. That's pretty you tough. Know, you can't get a slot yeah. if, mm. unless it's like a last minute cancellation. Not unless you kill someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's not going to make it to the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, I just bring my guitar along <laughs> It's tricky when it's a whole band as well. <laughs> it's a nine piece. You've got to it's work what, all the way it's through. It's where do you store them all? <laughs> it's a lot of death. <laughs> and uh, there's, a, there's a bar called JB's who have also been really good to me in just in terms of what they're trying to create. And I'm, I mean, it's, I, you have to understand it from a business point of view. There is a lot of competition in terms of food and drink yeah. in Jersey. So they need to maintain a level of entertainment so I don't think they can necessarily just open the doors and be like, doesn't matter what you do or what level you do it at, come and do it. Mm. I think Jersey's lacking that. We need that because you need a full like weeknights with bands that need to cut their teeth. And then on weekends, you need to give a space to original bands that can kill it. You know, yeah. And start to build up a reputation for being a really good band. But yeah, there doesn't seem like there's many venues left no. in Jersey that do that. Because there's a ton of bands. <clears throat> like, mm. there's so many bands, and we see them when they come over here. Or, and I did Jersey a lot before moving over to Guernsey and uh, back and forth. And you, I saw these bands, and there's so many original, amazing bands. But every time we talk, they're like, well, there's nowhere to, I think to really get, play. The market gets saturated too quickly as well. So the mm. guys will book maybe four or five gigs a year. Because it's the same people coming to the gigs all the time, man. You know? Yeah. 
so you can't be playing every weekend. It, it starts to, you know, like no one's going to come by the third weekend. Yeah, you start sounding like the Gregory Harrison show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's or Lord Vapor. Yeah, that seems to happen in Guernsey, but I don't think people mind too much because there's a lot of fans and people just want to hang out and listen to some music, I think. See, that, I think that's the difference. Just, I think in Jersey, you don't have the the culture of listeners. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels mm. like there's... it's. I don't know, like my perception of it is Jersey's an in-between place. People are always in and out. So nobody's nobody's settled there, and you feel like all the youngsters leave, like they all go off to university and spend yeah, a couple of years off the island. That's similar here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do you feel have like quite, you have quite a lot of bounce back. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I, I I know of a few people that have gone to uni, maybe tolerated a year, and then can't handle it. And can't a lot of yeah. people, I, I think. They can't. They come from a small little island they like this, and they it, kind of yeah. go, "No, no, no." No, I mean, well, oh, yeah, back, sure, yeah. sure. And they have this idea that, that they kind of want to go to uni, and they yeah. go and they do a year, and they go, oh, freak out because they can't, yeah. like, and they come back yeah. half finished. So you said the scene there is a bit tricky. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I and I think that certainly maybe the the gig going public in Guernsey is more tolerant of new music. So yeah. they'll they'll just accept it a little I bit I think more. there's been for almost, it's always been there in Guernsey and it yeah. seems to still be there. But um, I, I wonder if actually Jersey would do that as well if given a chance. Definitely. I yeah, think yeah. So. I, I, I think that it's maybe, it's not giving the audience a chance to be mm. tolerant, not giving I, them a chance. If there's any Jersey venues out there that want to start putting on original local music then they can call in and we can get you in contact with Jersey gigs and we can start looking at I, I feel that like there's Same. there's also not um, like we had John on before from Sound mm-hmm. um, I feel that there isn't a, um, someone over there like a local promoter local promoter mm. putting on stuff for underage people in Jersey mm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong no yeah but, I mean the, the youth arts centre do what they can mm, but the, there's the not like a regular either. sort of Ah, thing feeding you know, into I must say the, the guys at the Trafalgar yeah. in St. Oban's um, Neil's been really good he's just given the youngsters a platform there that's good that's really good but I mean it's one one yeah. spot you know and he, he can't be sort of um, <coughs> expected to carry mm. the whole youth scene. yeah well, exactly. and it is a pub you know so like mm. some youth are going to feel uncomfortable going in there sure yeah. they would want something a bit more suited to their but, yeah. but you need something because they, they, I think I feel like a lot of people get into music at around age 14, 15, mm. when you start to sort of... And it's cool. guitars, hitting drums, it's really all that cool. kind of yeah, stuff. And you start to see your seniors in bands. Yeah, yeah and, and you then start you, to have you an start identity. to like, yeah, mm. form your identity. And if your identity is formed around music, which yeah. I'm sure most of us around the table, that's Absolutely. what happened. Well, it helps it echo. Exactly. And then, and then you, amplify your style. And then you associate socialising with music and, and mm. going to gigs and getting involved in yeah, the music scene. I think there is definitely a lack um, at that level exactly. of penetrating that sort of... That would really help to sort of build the, the an, an audience in Jersey of people that want to go and socialise and mm. listen to music and hang out. So and, maybe this guy Neil, you said the guy yeah. Neil. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, Neil's, maybe he, he could contact John. Bar, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe he could contact John and and go and yeah, yeah, sound or could do something like that, there yeah. or something. Because cool. we do have, and as you said, like the Arts Commission, I think in a lot of places or or sort of youth commissions are are great and they do what they can. 
Um, but there's always sort of a stigma around what they can do and what they can't always yeah. find. So yeah. a lot of the time they're sort of limited cool to certain cool venues. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. They've and got it's so many not so cool for the. Place. Whereas we do have sound over here now, which is which is independent. It's sort of run by, and it will be run by the kids <clears> soon as well. As we're talking on last as, as soon as it's a government funded youth. Service. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they're called it's kids. Regulated it's regulated and it becomes think they're really uncool. Now. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. 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 is that politically incorrect? I don't think that we can call them kids. <laughs> I don't know what uh, to say uh, anymore. No, I think youth, it's like, young youth, adults. I realised the other day yeah, that youth. I was starting to become an old man when I started <laughs> ranting. Old beard now, Greg. It's down past your. I know, and I just don't. I just don't understand. Just, <laughs> I'm not down with the kids. But you haven't got the lingo anymore. You're not I haven't got the lingo. Yeah, they come up with stuff that I don't, I don't no. comprehend. <laughs> Good. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, uh, have you ever had this thing? I don't know if anyone's a tea drink around the table. Does anyone? Does anyone drink tea? Yeah. yeah. Do, do, I, I have this thing when there's when you've not finished a cup of tea, you put it down somewhere, you've not quite finished it, and there's this nagging thought: these, I've got a cup of tea somewhere, and I've not finished it. <laughs> Where's that it's, tea? Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I know it's out there somewhere, and it's you're searching there. it. Once you've finished it, it's fine, it's done, it's ticked off in your head, but sometimes, yeah. I've not finished a tea, I put it down somewhere, and it's it's just, it bugs you, it, it scratches away at the back of your head. You said something earlier, Nick. You said you had three projects, yeah. and you only named two of them. Right. And we've been chatting away, and this yeah. is and we've been talking about this, tea. this half drunk cup of tea in my head that has been scratching. What is that third band? All uh, right. So the third project is actually just the cover, the cover thing. That's the one that kind of earns me a little bit of money, you know. So I would, um, I have a ton of repertoire, <clears throat> and um, I will just advertise myself for any kind of private event or whatever. And you need to, to kind of solo, that. is it? Yeah, it's just, or whatever, you know, like if people want a, a duo or a trio or whatever, we'll make it happen. I think the beauty of it is once you've sort of spent a lot of years learning how to play your instrument, um, then you need to give yourself the opportunities to make a bit of money as well and not put that pressure on your original stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that it, um, it's coming back to what you were saying earlier, Greg, I don't think it, t it tarnishes the original stuff for me. I think, mm. if anything, it's like, yes, you're not playing what, what necessarily what you would set out to play, but you're playing and you're building your identity as a musician and you're learning simultaneously, you know, as you explore different songs and whatever whatever people request or whatever the case may be. And I think it's, it's it also teaches you a little bit about like, you know, the business side of things and managing yourself and yeah, sort of general expectations. People mm. expect you to be somewhere on time and you just take up the onus to be there on time. Sure. It also it also prepares you because you know, you'll walk into a gig and, and people won't have the right cables. And instead of making it somebody else's problem, you just have a bag full of cables and you're yeah. ready to go, you know? So getting some of the hindrance out of your way, you know? And I think that feeds nicely back into original stuff where you just mm. become the super prepared machine and you're just like, well, the product's ready. Um, you know, if you're conscious about like making your gigs a good event, it's good to go and you're putting on a show. And it, I think it, it just becomes easier for anybody who might walk by or whatever or be captivated by you to instantly mm. be a fan. Mm -hmm. If I can put it that way, you know. You can really tell when you're working with someone who's a professional musician mm. yeah. straight away because you're turning up, you've got all your leads, you're on time, you're at sound checks, things happen. They bring the stage you, with them. You've yeah. probably worked with them in the past as well, and I know definitely in bands, we've all sort of worked with some musicians who think they're professional musicians, and yet they're an hour late all mm -hmm. the time, and mm -hmm. they haven't got half their staff, and 
and you can really tell the people that are on the ball and that, you know because you've yeah. got to think about it yeah. to, it's it's it is that's your trade that's your business that's how you pay the bills that's yeah. your job yeah. um, you don't you don't need that stress when you get on stage and thinking in the back of your mind is is this my cable gonna work mm-hmm. that's the last thing you want to be stressing about you want to mm. be like you don't even want to be stressing about the chords you're playing or, mm-hmm. or the lyrics you're singing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you actually you want, want to be get, in the other place, don't you? You want to be you, in, the, you in that place that, which yeah, you're, where you're connecting you're with almost the in, in the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Because when you get to that point, once, and that takes a long time mm-hmm. because you need to get over all of your inhibitions and your own fears about your personality on stage. It's getting to that point of what is the audience now seeing? And I, I mean, like this just... It's so many different levels, you know. Again, it, it boils back to what your expectations are. But I'm thinking most of us want to be successful and we want people to enjoy our songs. Mm. And we'd like a decent audience and we'd like to go on tour mm. and play to people that, that get something out of your music, you know. Mm. So that means that the audience is number one. Mm-hmm. And they deserve to not have a broken mic, to have a, a, a decent show in terms of like, you know... Just people putting a bit of common sense behind it. Not only the nuts and bolts, not only the materials that make the show, so the strings that work, the leads that give the signal, but also the attitude as well. And you're going to break strings and and mics are going to break. Because you've had an argument with another member of the band two minutes before walking on stage. You've got to just snap out of that. (laughs) You've got to put it aside for the show. The show works and you've got to put on that smile and... You can't, I think, as soon as you step on that stage, your personal stuff has to go away. We, we, we talked about um, waiters and things, how they, how they like blow off steam on the weekend when they're off because all, all day they've got to be really kind and nice yeah. to people. And, yeah, and I think with musicians, it's the same to a certain extent. But as soon as you got on that stage, that's, that's what you've got to do. It's all, it can be a cool or not cool. One thing yeah. I definitely think is not cool is, is turning up late without half your stuff and not being prepared. <laughs> And stressing out your band members. So, if there's any band members out there who so who are a bit I, relaxed, consider yourself told off. Consider yourself. As soon as you bring shit. up cool or not cool, we've got to debate the point, right? Yeah. So, like the, from the flip side, as soon as you reach a certain level of fame, you don't have to care about any of that sort of stuff. <laughs> right? um, that is true, but it's and some people would expect that. There was a gig over in France. Oh, I'm trying to think who it was. It, it was an accordion like, band. Um, <laughs> it was a blues player. They were playing um, accordion, right? Uh, American blues player, and, and he turned up an hour late for the gig at this festival because he wanted to have his McDonald's, <laughs> and he like he had to have it, and he turned up, and the French audience, which I thought was amazing, just booed him and threw mud off stage, even though they, he was the headlining act and they were waiting for him. And they're like, no, we've paid tickets, we're here, you're arriving an hour, I think it was an hour and a half. It would have been different stage. if, yeah. if it was And he had just sort of yeah. fucked up the audience and they're the ones that are paid to see the show, to, to get, you know, you, you don't do that in any That's other, arrogance, any other yeah. business. It's, it's arrogance and it's, it's not fair. So the word got around and they were just like, we're not having any of that. Get off. off. Have you Um, done that, Nick? Have you not played until you've had your built on? (laughs) (laughs) Until you get your love hearts and... (laughs) I'll tell you, some of the experiences that I did come across in the tons of gigs that we used to do. So the band never used to partake in any alcohol or anything in the first five years, probably. We were like super sober, clean cut boys, even though the music's pretty crazy. So after every gig, people would be like, oh man, I wish I was on the drugs you guys are on. And we're just like, we didn't take any drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like we were just having such a blast on stage. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, like I, I remember once pretty fondly, my 
I had a, I don't know why, but I had an active bass, right? So there you go. <laughs> in an indie rock band, I had an active bass. <laughs> and uh, the battery died. And the lead singer was like, man, this is an important show. And I, you don't have a spare battery. And I, like, you know, like him and I almost got into it there on the side of the stage while somebody in the audience had run off to go get a battery for us. <laughs> and like, that's awesome, man. And like, you know, in hindsight, it's like, we probably didn't have to be that hard on ourselves. We could have just been like, you know, these things happen and they do mm-hmm. happen and you've got yeah. to catch yourself yeah. some slack, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think that- Accidents but, happen, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you are yeah. definitely, I, yeah. I, I snapped a couple strings the other day. I actually literally snapped three strings on my guitar <clears> playing. I was, I was having a really good time at, at the uh, Trafalgar and playing some nasty blues covers. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was just getting into it, you know? And um, and it was cool, man, because I think you're you're relaxed and you know it's part of the game and you just keep it going somehow, you know, you get people to sing along while you change the string quickly or you have yeah, to play yeah. guitar on hand or whatever the case may be. If you know you have a tendency for that kind of thing. Slapping strings is yeah, a oh killer. Yeah, uh, so I've, I've got a story about um, uh, one of our sort of early gigs in a, in a band called Deadwing uh, versus... Uh, Tantel in the Battle of the Bands, which is Graham's band. Oh my God! Were yeah, we, were we on the same? Bill? Yeah, we were on the same bill. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> um, oh. So, yeah, we we did in the Delaware. We were doing Battle of the Bands against okay. each other, and yeah. um, oh, was that the like the final? Yeah, or? yeah, the, we, we'd all made it through to the final, and it was it was us versus Tantel, kind of as the two sort of like in it to win it kind of bands. Okay, and uh, who thousand pounds. Yeah. Thousand pounds. Thousand yeah. pounds, which first prize. Yeah, yeah. Really? And, yeah, yeah. and a bottle of champagne. Ooh. We need some more of those. Yeah, so we uh, we were like really ready for this gig. We were like so pumped for it. We you know, we'd done so much prep and you know, practice loads and yeah. Um halfway through like the fourth song, Jack our guitarist broke a string, completely forgot to bring a spare pair or another, you know, instrument with a mm. uh, extra strings on. So we, we literally spent about five minutes on that stage trying like tuning up a new, you know, it was like oh, really painful. Danger. And like that totally lost us that to, to Tantel. Who, that was the only who super, That was the only thing because musically you were yeah, way better than Yeah, Tantel. absolutely. Because Tantel was pff, rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. I mean, have you heard their new album? Same. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this weirdo that plays the on it. We beat ourselves up over that. It was yeah. like really sort of like, why the hell didn't we have those spare strings? And as ready? we've just said, it's mm. you learn from those yeah, mistakes. Absolutely. You learn from those bad gigs. You learn from those mm. mistakes and those unfortunate kind of events. Just always have them in your bag. Yeah. Like always have two. When you're going to get a spare set, buy the extra one. And I always think of it as having there's that spare that I just never touch. <laughs> and it's there yeah, no matter what especially there. at times when you go through and you're sweating on stage and before I was using um, I've been using the Elect- X-Series ones at the moment but there was um, I was using some cheap Martin ones and just don't don't use the cheap ones as <laughs> soon as you're doing a gig they just go they sound yeah. horrible to start and <laughs> you're going I mean you're paying them nine quid or six quid a pack or whatever they are for the cheap strings but you're going through so many that it's mm. not worth it and and it really makes a difference, especially when you have to tune I, up at every I've gig an and you're issue. just getting into it and the crowd are going, this is brilliant. Ah, oh, no. Stop. <laughs> Stop now. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got an issue with bass, though, because I love the sound of old strings on the bass. I love that sort of big, thick, fat sound that old strings give. And the new, when you put new strings on the bass, they all sound really clanky and, like, yeah. sharp. And mm. I love that sort of, like, just that thudding sort of... But, but yeah. do you know that it's actually really... A lot easier to hear a bass with new strings. Than I'm a mix. sure it is. I'm sure it is. 
But um, I just, and it still I, gives you the fundamental. Yeah, yeah. But, so but the problem is, is, if you snap a string on the bass, I prefer the, the old sound, so I have very old strings on my bass, and then you put the new string on, and it just sounds really clanky. <laughs> so you've got one clanky sounding string. Really yeah, you've got, to, you've got to change all of those strings just to get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not so great. You mean in doom metal <laughs> you play each song on more than one string? <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. Is that a bass in though? <laughs> There's so much fuzz and you can't tell anyway, to be honest. <laughs> so, you're in Jersey at the moment. You've got is, is there any plans? Any any apart from the projects that you have got at the moment? Anything you had not on any tours or stuff? Kind of right? <laughs> <laughs> he Dude, is looking you, you, very you deep into your eyes right now. <laughs> so, what are you doing after the podcast? Yeah. What are you doing at the moment? I'm in peace. Are you, uh, any like music plans? Yeah, well, and... I'll, I'll give you guys a little insight. I am, I, I, I've been, I consider myself to be very lucky in terms of that I've managed to experience a ton of things and been through a lot of situations, you know. And um, to know what you enjoy is, is like such a great thing because then you have goals to work towards. Mm. So I personally try and set myself goals and tell myself like, okay, let's spend set deadlines say like I want to bring out a single here these things have to be done by then blah 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 x amount of rehearsals x amount of shows and then just tackle the next thing so I like to kind of give myself these like pit stop situations and yeah set and yourself then, a goal and then work towards the next one and work towards the next one yeah because I think um, if you can get to that point where you're being efficient and effective it's just it's, you know it's putting some momentum and propelling you instead of just you know floating around waiting for shit to happen you know? mm-hmm yeah, definitely. I think so there's a lot of So what is your next like goal? What's your next? So my next goal is to uh, rehearse the band. Which band? Hot Plastic. So Hot Plastic, yes. Okay. So currently I've, I've just gotten together with John. We're going to have our first rehearsal on Monday. Was that John, the bassist? Drummer first. Drummer first. And then um, I've actually bumped oh, into... Oh, that's interesting that you're choosing drums first. Because obviously <laughs> that's the most important thing. <laughs> is this the one that we might have on the 19th? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I also have bumped into Jay Shaughnessy, who was playing with um, Lloyd Yates' band. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. So Jay was like, you know, I could maybe maybe step in and do a couple of bass gigs, but I don't want to be on the point of relying on him because he's a busy guy. So I would potentially have the bass and any sort of trinkets on a track and then run drums and vocals live with electrics live. And then... So you're talking about possibly a two-piece, but maybe a three-piece then? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so okay. And if it's a two-piece, then it's with a click? Yeah, it's a click it will track. be click with mm, track. Yeah. And then if it's the three-piece, probably a little bit more flexible, depending on how much mm. we can get done, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the songs are kind of like... It's, it's rock with sort of poppy elements, which I like. I like synthesizers and stuff, but I also think you need to be realistic, and if you have five people in your band... It's five people you need to transport. It's five people yeah, you need yeah. to accommodate. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You don't need that nowadays with the technology that's out there. With you know, and just, and, and I think Skype in stuff. for everyone and they can all just... There is a certain extent, I yeah. think we bring up the call or not call thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And but you know what? I think it's a timing thing, bro. Because I'll tell you what, if I get any hint of success, I will immediately get those members. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, the band, yeah, yeah to fill in, Absolutely. yeah. You know, that's a, that's because, another Because there is that really. loop, there's a thing at the moment with quite a few um, artists <clears throat> out there who use just a loop pedal, and I think it's like... It's not cool. Why, why, why can't you get a band? Are you, like... 
What was that? Do people Ed, Ed just Sheeran not enjoy your company? The festival. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do you, you just got, not like being Like, if you can get over that point, and it doesn't, I you, you can, I mean, I can hear it. Maybe there is something about it. I always hear that loop and it's and it works and there's a place and, and it and it does work to a certain extent but there's a moment where it's just get a real drummer it's not no, cool if, dude yeah if, absolutely I totally agree but the reality is when for instance like somebody like me who steps into a situation where you don't necessarily know anybody but you need to get get going mm-hmm. you need to do what you need to do yeah so that's what totally. I mean it's a totally and that solo thing is a hell I, I, I spoke to Sean Shackleton from the press Actually, yes. Uh, oh, Sean, who also plays with the uh, Rectory. Rectory Horse Killer Liquors, who Killer was Lickers. in um, John Wesley Stone. John Wesley together, Stone. And, and he um, he interviewed me, um, and we were talking about this whole thing. Uh, uh, when you're in bands, what you need to do. I was saying that I think it's so important that you work with bands, have that project, but always keep your solo stuff going. Always keep that in the pocket because there's a lot of time you you get together with that band, everything's great, we're gonna be the next best thing, it's all working, six months later the band's collapsed and you've got nothing, you've got all this new, you've gotta recreate something. Keep that side stuff, do your own personal thing. Well this is kind of what I'm doing with Hot Plastic, I'm seeing it as, I don't want to do it alone, but if I cannot get, you know, the right fit, I'll just have to do it until there is the right fit, you know what I mean? Mm. So I, it's not that I just see the other players as peripheral. It's just that it's got to be the right fit mm-hmm. because it's like mm-hmm. you're saying, I'm not going to just like try and stick two puzzle pieces together just because he's a drummer. Yeah. It doesn't work You've like gotta, that. You know, if I don't have a connection with you, I yeah. definitely don't want to spend time with you on the road <laughs> for sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But if I do, if we can laugh and you know, it's good times and, and there's a bit of a trust relationship, then you know that that guy's going to tell you up front, listen, dude, X, Y, Z, this is happening. Yeah, be very honest, I think, is super you know? important in bands, is that. How much, um, how much for you and the writing process uh, when, you're, when you're writing for the band, so you, you kind of have an idea about the way that the song is, how much are you influenced by your other players? How much? Because that, yeah. that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Some, some, I've been to, um, I've been to rehearsals with, uh, no, sorry, auditions with bands in like London and things like that, and they go in and say, play this and they tell me exactly what they to play and, and I kind of play that but I play a bit of that as well you know just mm-hmm. making it up a bit mainly because yeah. I can't play that entirely <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, just I think that. actually that sounds quite good as well that's and then, then like some, play, yeah. some have just been absolutely you know yeah. it's got to be this I think like that's more of a producer question maybe but for me personally but I you produce I, your own music I do yeah so yeah. I produce all the songs but I love what the players input. And I think the relationship is more important to me. Uh, so if okay. I like the guy and we get along like a house on fire and we can have a couple of drinks and, and you know, like there's a mutual understanding yeah. and I can put him behind the kits and he's got general idea. I'm going to be like, dude, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know, go mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, I think the thing is like, you will know it's, it's the right personality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you'll know from the personality that the guy's going to either know what he's doing, mm-hmm. he's going to give you the room to be where you need to be. He's mm-hmm. not going to overplay, etc. Mm-hmm. like that. You know? It's a sensitivity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I think it's, you can, when you meet somebody, you know what, the, like if you meet a bass player who's hyperactive, you know the guy's going to play too much. So then have a fun project with him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try and have a stoner rock project. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. There's, yeah, finding the right person and letting them have space. I think if you, if you try and control that person who is an individual artist of their own right. Exactly, yeah. You 
you create more problems yeah. than... But I do find that instrumentalists like to be told what's going on in the song. Mm, so they like a... direction, yeah. but they don't want control. You know mm, what I mean? So yeah, I can yeah. definitely go to them and say, cool guys, here's the sections. I'd like a little crescendo there. I'd like maybe a bit more of a moody section here, whatever. Just give them some guidelines. They're professionals. They've worked hard. They've practiced. They know what they're doing. They know the instruments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got, and you can trust that. You just be like, cool, man. Look, that's the basic idea. You just mm -hmm. go for yeah. it. Yeah. And even explaining what, what the song is about. Yeah, exactly. Someone says, so well, I even like to keep that a little bit separate because I okay. want it to be something for them as well. Okay. Same thing with the audience. You know, you don't necessarily tell your audience. Mm. Well, this song is about her holding hands with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that a call or not a call? Uh, that cringe rally when someone starts... I think any kind so of over-interaction with the audience is, is like a... Oh, I'm so with you on that. I hate bands that talk to the audience far too much. I yeah, really just absolutely. keep it on you the You just minimal. need the classic, oh, hey, Wembley, how we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of hype and that's enough. I think you understand it. It's a learning curve as well. I've definitely with some stuff... Just, I just can't do it. I just sound like an absolute sure. idiot. And there's some people, and you've just got to be able to go, yeah, they just don't talk. It just comes Smash in every song. But also the reality is, nine yeah. out of 10 times, you cannot hear what the vocalist is saying. Yeah. Am I right? What? You see that with... Probably. Graham does it as an MC on certain nights. We have him doing the MC at the jam night and you do it for Vela and things. And... You managed to be so clear, and we can hear what you're saying. And I MC oh, on plug night and stuff, and it's because I slur every word. And most of the time, God knows what people are hearing. Really, just yeah. like as soon as you do that, then the crowd's going up. Is down, and you could just do that the whole night. You just no need to talk. Two months. Well, that's the thing. Like people will always know. The minute you start playing the intro, whether they like the song, I mean, yeah, that's their favorite song. They're gonna go nuts. You don't need to say anything. Although, although to, to to throw a alternative perspective in there, some folk gigs I've been to, yeah, but more intimate. I yeah, can, they're, I can they're like yeah. some of the stories behind the songs yeah, are yeah, super. There is a certain place like, like, for it. For it yeah. Character, you're absolutely you know? right. Yeah, absolutely so like, right. But but then a lot of songs they're just. Pop yeah. bits and you just want to dance to them. Who gives a fuck what I think I'm talking more about like a noise. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. If you're up to party, then don't talk, just go through it. Mm. Yeah. Whereas things like I saw Vin Garber, I was lucky to see him before he passed away about a year ago, two years ago now. And he was up at the Fermain Tavern, and I've been a fan for years, it's a folk singer, and I think I saw the whole set he was there. He's been quite involved with the Earth Fair um, for years, mm. but he's this folk singer going around, and I think he played about five songs or six songs. And the rest was just stories, but for an hour and a bit, I, you were just you know. locked. Mm -hmm. And the way he taught, the stories he taught, it was, that was part of the show, that was mm -hmm. everything. And it was brilliant, he was really good, he could get that, he had a good story, he went straight to the point, unlike what I'm doing now. <laughs> and that's, if you can do that, then definitely that's part of the act. Yeah, we're talking, it's gotta be genre specific. specific. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. even think it has to be genre specific. I think it's about knowing, the audience and reacting to them and being able to like putting them in the right really, space. It's a really subdued yeah. audience and like you've you've got like a, yeah, a space to, to if they're there to, to dance, or, yeah. they you know. need something to dance to. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. If they're there to just spend time with you to like on the it, yeah. private gigs Seated, or, and yeah. you want they want to be part of that. That's <clears> nice. They like to hear the banter. They like I think there's a persona. Do you put on a 
a bit of a persona you think when you're on Definitely. stage and you've I'll got like your own yeah so what's your Sasha Fierce I, I, for each, <laughs> each of my different projects I'll kind of like some, like immerse myself in what I Blue. need to communicate through that mm. <laughs> so for Alex and her it's like a bittersweet project for me it's very much like um, very honest so I try and put myself in the, in the position where I will come across as very sincere and just be and try and be in that mindset when because I'm that is it. that's you that's not an act that yeah, is that exactly, is actually yeah. that part yeah. of your yeah. brain and your personality it's the same thing if you're booked for a gig and uh, you've got the flu you just need to show up and rock out mm-hmm. yeah no one gives a shit that you've just, got the flu man you know? yeah they expect to be entertained yeah. okay so that's your persona for for that project what about for Hot Plastic yeah who, so Hot Plastic to who, me who, who, who <laughs> are you for that it's, 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 that's, that's been quite a tricky one because it's been a lot of hard work producing the songs I've put a lot of like conscious effort into producing the songs so then I'm now I can step back and look at the songs and be like okay cool uh, remember what when I started this it was to have like a fun band <laughs> now that I'm like really like I mean like I've delved like I've literally built drum pods you know like the snare must be done <laughs> just so that it sounds like something in some kind of demo to me you know and I can be like okay sort of okay but I'm still not happy with it but then I can now that I've written like 10 or 11 or 12 songs I can take a step back and be like cool now all of this just needs to be fun and now that I know it and I've, I've kind of worked my way through it back and forth, I can start to work on, on the persona of that. So okay. that when I get on stage, everything's fluid, everything's quick. And it's like that, that thing we said, now you can connect with the audience. I'm like, yeah. like this cool, fun. So in mm-hmm. some ways, I'm guessing that you're saying that's going to come to you. The hot plastic persona yeah. of Nick is going to come. Yeah, it's still, I think it it's definitely takes progress. And you need to do a few gigs where you find your feet within that. And, and you need to also test the audience a little mm-hmm. because... For instance, I, I love the gig at JB's, but it's still, it's a bar with a ping pong. There's a bunch of ping pong tables on the side and there's seating at the back. So people are eating. So it's a very like a busy little That's bizarre. bar. Yeah, it's very it's bizarre cool, bar. you know, mm. yeah, bizarre bar. <laughs> but I would love to test how much of the people I could get, Draw in. you know, because yeah. there's all those guys hanging around at the bar and I want to see if I can grab their attention and then, mm. you know, see if I can get a couple of the there's a really There's a really good way of doing that, just shouting, fire! <laughs> and then everyone will get your attention and then Jesus you can, that got my yeah, attention exactly. <laughs> I, I had to hold something there. in right there <laughs> a little bit of weird yeah. <laughs> and then yeah once you've done that everyone, yeah. everyone's looking at you <laughs> hang on are you saying that there's ping pong tables yeah, and, and, and people are playing ping pong yeah. does wow. that not interfere with the, do, you, do you find yourself like, like playing like, oh that's a yeah. shame there you is can't, gigs you can't like that as we said those bad gigs I've played a gig in a place where they had the TV over the band with the football match and the yeah. volume on. Yeah. I don't and know when we demanded the volume yeah, to be turned horrible. off, the bar kicked off. <laughs> so oh, we ended up not playing for the whole match. Well, as long as you get well, paid. That's well, it, it, was, it was an issue at the end. We, d- we did have quite a uh, to-do with the barman. Yeah, and when fun. the bassist was holding a chair saying he'll put it through the window <laughs> if we don't get paid for the gig because the guys just wanted to watch the football. That's not um, your fault. That's not your I think we saw it. There was a, a, the terrace here. This is, this here, is uh, why sports and music doesn't mix. In, okay, guys. in Guernsey, we've got the Terrace Cafe, which is like a Thai place. I think it's a Thai place, yeah? Yeah, it's a Thai And place. They, you, get your, you book your order and then they announce the number and you go to collect it. And I remember seeing Buffalo Huddleston there once. And they're playing this song, 
and they're right in the middle and as they're sort of like jamming out it's a really soulful bit and just my kind of like number 72 number 72 and it's just blasting on the tannoy was that your best Guernsey accent that's what everyone sounds like in Guernsey thankfully we're not from here so we don't oi I take offence well oh yeah we have one Guernsey man in the room we should do a Guernsey gigs podcast where we just all talk in a Guernsey accent oh yeah no I find that really offensive so Nick, tell me how come? Um, what was your journey then from from? Uh, I think you said that you came from around Joburg, around that yeah. kind of area in yeah. Afrique du Sud, yeah. and uh, and how come Jersey? What do you you yeah, were just there one there? day and thought that <laughs> island over there? That's where I want to be. Yeah. Well, uh, so basically, I spent. My dad worked on a lot of mines. And I spent my formative uh, years... The explosive devices that are buried. that stuff, yeah. So he used to do surveying, which is basically measurements, and making sure underground tunnels meet up. Where oh, not landmines. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, so we moved to a whole bunch of different little tiny towns, which is like, I was, I was actually quite surprised by the type of music that influenced me. Because it was quite, we were quite in Af- Afrikaans-saturated areas. Mm. <coughs> my, my dad's English and my mom's quite bilingual, English and Afrikaans. Um, but I went to an English primary school and then I did a little stint in an Afrikaans high school, but I was in an English class. Sorry, I can't, yeah. I can't not do this. Yeah. So you're saying that you grew up <laughs> in these little mining towns. Yeah. So a lot of the music you listened to was underground music? We've got to have a boom <laughs> Sorry, yeah. if anyone wants Sorry, Graham to like officially leave the podcast, just send yeah, us an email please. and we'll get rid of him. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> was Graham's the best bet. I don't know what we would do. Sorry, bro. Sorry. It'd just great. be us drinking, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Go on. Continue. Sorry. Uh, so I ended up in um, doing my final few years in high school in a place called Paddleboro, which is like really a tiny little town amongst all the animals. So it literally is like lions and baboons and mm. all that stuff. So very, very cool. Mm. Like in hindsight, when you're a bit older, you're always like, wow, that was like really amazing. Mm. You know? Quite similar to Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the wildlife. <laughs> Just the locals. Yeah. <laughs> you guys aren't doing yourselves any favors. <laughs> We're, We're trying to open up to the Jersey city. We're Guernsey gigs, Jersey gigs, they do their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so then I moved over to Pretoria, which is pretty much Joburg. They're, I think, like 50 kilometers apart from each other. And yeah. I, I studied uh, music there for a few years, finished up with that, started the band. And I've always been based in Pretoria, but the band, we pretty much became national and then international. But so we would just gig everywhere. It's not a lot really, of ground to cover. Not even based Man, that's there. a it's big, a massive big old country. country yeah. Yeah. So and uh, all, not always do, easy roads either. No. So what we would do is. Uh, sort of like at its most fluid point we were just gigging really Joburg, Pretoria Cape Town and Durban which are your main centres you know and we would do that on like a sort of rotation between any kind of big festivals going on and and international stuff as well so uh, that would kind of be the, the work routine you know but um uh, my my wife had, we had always wanted to kind of move overseas and just experience some other stuff as well, and we had just sort of come to the point where we were about to like say okay well maybe we should buy a house and sort of settle in a bit, and then she was like well there's one more opportunity I want to check out so I was like yeah do your thing and two months later she was she was here <laughs> she was in Jersey right oh, wow <laughs> yeah so I, I I kind of had to tell everybody listen you know I 
going to give it six months and wrap up all my commitments and head over and see what happens. So I've also, you know, given myself some challenges. She's been really like great in, in supporting me and just saying, you know, you should go and do what you want to do. So she's given what me does your wife, wife do? Then? So she's a lawyer, works with intellectual property. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's mine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, um, musicians exactly. connecting. Yeah, it's through law. It's yeah. cool. We and like IP, which, we is, like yeah. which is great. So you've got all of your IP worked oh, out. It's not like anyone's stealing my songs, but yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's cool. <laughs> Intellectual property. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so so it was, um, and and for you that must have you must have, well actually then that's a gateway to Europe, Jersey. This is the right, thinking, right yeah. next door to France yeah. and exactly, yeah. I mean, to UK. And, and this is right. exactly what I'm doing now. I'm just kind of going around meeting as many people as I can. And I really love this stuff to me is, is almost more important than the gigs because the gigs are, they're so fleeting, you know, you've got this, mm. you've got an hour in, in, in somebody's year, you know, I come to Guernsey like maybe once every, so you've got like an hour to make an impression, whether it's to the management of the bar or, or the, the audience actually seeing you. And then you need to like utilize the time to get to know the people that are, you know, are actually mm. there. And Putting that effort and, yeah, as a, you know, an individual I saw band. you doing that. I saw you doing that last absolutely. night at uh, the Golden Lion. You were, I think when I walked in, you were talking to the Savage Sons guys. Yeah, you were sort of around the bar there and then you were kind of just circulating. I mean, that doesn't take anything because it's like, really obviously, nice. you know, it's like mm. these are good people and yeah. you all, we all share music. Yeah. You know, whatever genre it is, doesn't matter. We're mm. all we've taken that that time and, and learned that mm. skill, and it was it's painful to do. And then you know you get up on stage with all your inhibitions and all that that goes with that. And it's nice to know that you know at the end of that you can just be with people that that understand that on some level. You know you can't do that with. So for instance, we'll we'll hang out with my my wife's you know sort of corporate friends and. It's a, it's a, it's not Different the same, thing, yeah. you know. Mm. You'll meet even like in your life, you'll meet people who aren't involved in in the arts or anything creative, and and you might get along with them really well, but that's still not that gel mm. where you don't have to say anything. It's just you know, man. You've been yeah. through. You've mm. played a ton of shit gigs. You've mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you've got similar experiences that yeah. you just bounce off man. quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of shit gigs, sorry, this is just pop. <laughs> so I, last night. <laughs> so the golden line. Got plenty of where you played last yeah. night. I remember playing in there before they'd refurbished it. So okay. it was it was pretty oh, much a dive gig. The old golden line was pretty much mm. a dive dive gig. It's actually been through three transitions yeah, in my sort of history. So were you doing karaoke? Is this what? No, no, no. no. This was with a, a, a covers band, okay. just pure Straight covers up, yeah. kind of thing. But the Which but it, was it looked very was different. It doing the tentel. No, no. This was called damaged goods. Oh. So there because we we play cover <laughs> versions badly, so, <laughs> so we play good songs badly. Damage oh, goods, brilliant. So yeah, so great. we played that bar, and that bar then was just it was mainly kind of people with substance misuse problems okay, who would kind of like yeah. ha- hang out there. And we're playing this song by the Kaiser Chiefs called "I Predict a Riot." Yeah. And this fight kicks off <laughs> in the bar, and there's not many people there, really. There's like seven or eight or eight people, okay. there, and a dog. I'm sure there was a dog. And this fight breaks out, and during this fight, so we you just carry on playing, yeah, don't you? Right. Don't stop. Yeah. You just carry on playing. And during this fight of I, I predict a riot, which was just poetic concordance, <laughs> <That is laughs> it just worked really, really well. That could have been your guys. The guy video. that was being beaten, and there was one guy who was top dog, and one guy who was just getting literally the shit kicked out of him because suddenly the whole bar filled with the smell of feces oh 
and we realised that the guy right in front of the stage was had shat himself. So no, absolutely. I, I kid you not. <laughs> I shit you not. Just absolutely, we could see. You shit us not. We could see the brown stain no. growing around because he was being punched from behind. Oh, he was God. lying supine on the floor, carrying Ooh. punch for the back, and <laughs> the whole bar was filling. And he, then he was dragged outside, leading a brown smear, <laughs> leading from the front of the stage to the door whereas oh. he was being dragged out I mean that really and we just carried on playing <laughs> <laughs> that really was a shit gig then yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what we played after I think it was Mercy Mercy Me by, <laughs> by Marvin Gaye <laughs> that was a shit gig you didn't play that any James Brown <laughs> <laughs> oh, horrible, horrible, horrible. Get up, get on. <laughs> so, you had to make a massive adjustment coming from coming from uh, Pretoria. And then, yeah, it was, and it was a pretty a shocking experience. We we did done um, our third Japan tour in at the end of, of October, coming into November, and um, I think the next week I played a show in Pretoria in South Africa called Park Acoustics, which is a monthly show. Mm. but then they have sort of bigger events every within the monthly show and it's really great I mean you're talking probably like I think on, on the smaller events probably like 4,000 people and the big ones can get really really big you know that's huge ten, audience tens wow. of thousands of people that's brilliant yeah oh. brilliant and um, and I remember playing that was my final gig with the boys and I, I, I just love the organiser for that that show it's, it's another thing I should mention you know it's just getting to know the people who are, are supporting the industry and not just um, sort of ignoring or forgetting that they exist because those are the people that are continuously booking you, you know. So just, you know, I'm not saying you have to like kiss their asses or anything, but mm-hmm. just appreciating them and just being mm-hmm. like, well, you know, thanks for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having the venue. Mm-hmm. Thanks for There's something fans, really you know. in, when you, as you say, when you're going to these events and you get involved with those people and you talk to people and there's something that really makes it happen when you go to those events and you know that person that's hung out with the other musicians and with the, the guys that are putting on the show and who yeah. put all the effort and it gets you more gigs at the end of the day as well because people are like, well, we could get these guys, but they were absolute assholes and stuck to themselves and... But we got this guy, and it was just nice being around that person. You know what? They'll book you because you had a crazy after party. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's straight up. They'll be like, like, the is coming, but we need a little fun. <laughs> so many times, and I would prefer to get someone over like that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, man. Especially when they a lot of festivals or, or, or gig organizers and things are people who have got who got day jobs and they put this on. It's their passion. It's their passion, and they want to hang out with musicians or they want to. They want to be yeah. part of the show mm-hmm. and you've got to give that back a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they put all that time and effort and they're paying you to do the show and stuff. And then, and it, it doesn't take much and it's, mm-hmm. and it's more fun that way. And you do get bands that come up and they're like, no way. I'm not hanging out with anybody. Yeah. Not talking mm-hmm. to anybody. Get my pay. I'm in, I'm out. And I suppose there is a certain extent of, of, um, when you do it all the time, repetition or not being able to keep up with it. And, yeah, sure. you know, if you've got a series of gigs, you could see yeah. when you're being on tour away, it's just exhausting. You can't be but, out. But that's the thing. You only need that one moment to really create a, a relationship or a bond with somebody. You know, you mm-hmm. just need to like, I mean, even if they, they, that person is exhausted after putting on an event and you just go up to them and say, listen, it was great. I loved it every minute of it. I appreciate mm. it. And then you do what you can as well on your social media. You know, it's like, 
just combining forces really and, and just yeah helping the scene in general because you're all a part of the scene you know everybody's like always saying like oh, i'm looking for the scene or i want to get into the scene it's like you are the scene mm. how, how much of mm-hmm. an active element of the scene you want to be is up to you but you are it it's it's not it's not separate from you you know yeah you've got to be involved that's it yeah. involved and do things to make things happen yeah. i truly believe that um if you sit back and if someone says, oh, nothing ever happens, then for me, that's always been a, a driving motor of, well, make something happen. Yeah. yeah. Like do it, Obviously get out and do anything. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can't sit and complain if you're not doing anything. You need yeah. to go out and you need to be, and, and as soon as people do that and they get involved and, I mean, and that's the scene hard. opens up and there's so much to do yeah. and there's a lot of things. I think on the islands, we see that a lot. I um, work down the road and we get a lot of, people from abroad and stuff that come to Guernsey and unfortunately they don't have much time to sort of mm, enjoy or, or things because they're working all the time in bars and restaurants which they don't have much time and they always go well nothing ever happens here and it's like well actually there is but you need to be you've got to get involved you've got to get involved and yeah. when you get involved you have to have active presence yeah it's, you I mean you realize I know for us going on. then we don't seem to manage to have time to do anything really <laughs> and it's amazing it's brilliant and it makes it a whole experience you know or you, it improves it your life massively yeah, yeah. Mm. there's you know you can take care of your health or you can just get involved in music and <laughs> <laughs> watch that slowly I mean, there's an open mic every single night of the week I mean if, if you've got nothing else to do just turn Pop on to an open down, mic yeah. and yeah there is a show at on. least one show that's a great, week, yeah. a minimum, yeah. and you know, compared to a lot of other places, we've we've stated this before, but over on the islands between Jersey, I think it's the same, and 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 Guernsey, it's like for such a small islands, when people go, oh, what, there's nothing on there. It's just you're just living on an island. Well, compare that to some of the places in the UK, and mm. um, if the same size in the same area, and see how much is really going on, you wouldn't find that. You'd there's be, loads of stuff. It's going not. Like it's mm. not as vibrant, mm. in the, and I think maybe that's. We've talked about how it, it can mm. be part of that, but it's it's that community, it's that small thing. You can always get somewhere, and you can always go and do something. That being said, um, when I moved back to the island twelve years ago now, and I went online and googled um, things to do in Guernsey, and there was a drop down list of things to do in Guernsey. I don't know, it was like thirty things to do in Guernsey, and number three on that list was go to Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> How wrong we were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's mean. 17, I think, was borrow somebody's dog and take it for a walk. <laughs> Which is also good. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, we got to find that list. To someone yeah, steal yeah, their I dog. Think, uh, well, I, I think that was that was like 12 years ago. So things have changed now. I think there is a lot. Uh, I think the local <laughs> government have got much better about talking about what's going on. Mm. And I think that Guernsey Gigs and other promoters yeah. and lots of venues there is a very active arts yes. scene generally I think, I think it's for it's years cool. it's been very it's easy it's very easy for people to just assume when you put something on that people will know about it from word of mouth but mm. we come back to the same thing if you're putting on an event or if you're doing a gig you, you must find the same thing it's you've got to announce it you've got to promote it you've mm. got to get it out there yeah. and otherwise you can't expect to just do something and for people to turn up you've got yeah. to what's, what's it's a Nick? whole part what? of the job What's Isn't been it? your uh, going from Greg's point? What's been your what's been your most successful self-promoted? 
gig. So in, in terms of my history as a player, yeah, totally. So like wow. all the different kind of like projects that you've right. done and things De- like that. Because it? because it's the other part of being a musician, though, yeah, isn't it? So you've got the songs, yeah. you've got the bands, you've you, you know, worked it's, out the personas. Nice formative phase as well, you know. Well, I think we we kind of did what every every band would do, and we you know we try to be clever about it, and we try to be sort of cool in our own way about how we would approach marketing and that kind of thing. So I think our first sort of foray was we booked a tour to Cape Town from Joburg. Like we were just like these fresh four boys. That's, I think our drummer was 17. At the time. <laughs> this <laughs> is Desmond, Desmond and, and the Tutus. Yeah. So um, we just booked this Cape Town tour. And, you know, this was like really pre-Instagram and all that stuff, which has made like all that stuff really easy, although a bit saturated. But we wouldn't try and make quirky little videos and, and do our best with, with what's out there. So I don't think we necessarily. So had you released stuff? Had you? No, we didn't have an album. Okay. No album. It was just purely word of mouth and 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 people just creating a buzz, like saying like. How did you do that? I think we were just so lucky in terms of it was so entertaining and kids were just bubbling. But you're up there and Cape Town's down there. Yeah. Okay. Well, to be fair, we didn't. It wasn't all great, but we had probably two events that just were the epitome of what that band was to me. And the one night, it's, it's my f- favorite memory of the band. We just got into this shitty bar with pool tables down the side. This is in Pretoria? Or this <laughs> in, is in Cape, Cape Town, Town yeah. okay. Um, the stage was probably as big as two double-seater couches. <laughs> so we just smashed everything in there. They had these two massive fans and all of the windows were closed. So really fat people who liked your gig. <laughs> <laughs> and then we we uh, we set up the sound which was horrendous and we were like it's fine <laughs> and then you know you do that dreaded thing that all bands do is you try and fill the time between sound check and the gig mm. and the thing about Cape Town is it starts really late so we were only up at like 12 31 a.m. So we we literally sound checked wow. at seven. You didn't have any support or anything like that. It was just you guys. Uh, we probably had DJs. No yeah. other band though. Right. Yeah. So we had like DJs running up band. Half seven sound check. Like. So then we obviously twelve o'clock playing. We would we we went to grab dinner. We weren't drinking at that time, so I, we probably played cards or some shit, or just went down to the beach or cards. Try to be cool. Classic kel- time kill yeah, cards. Yeah. Like there's no musicians band that doesn't have a deck of cards <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah. Well, you've just missed sundowners. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, um, the, and then walking back to the venue going, oh, I really hope it's not empty, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, you're walking upstairs and it's packed with wow. like all nice. these kids that are just ready to party. Yes. You know? That was just my favorite experience. And then getting on stage and nobody cared how tight the band was. We were all just sweating and there was like, you know, condensation on the walls and kids were just jumping around cool. and everybody was just going for it, you know, that is the epitome of of like that's a good gig that's yeah. the gig and that the, and makes the video it was it wasn't a public show it wasn't like a big festival with masses of funding no. yeah. it was just people that were like we need a party these guys party sounds intense man it sounds really, really was yeah, it was yeah. so good you know yeah. like, and you're and playing all what your own music you're playing all, it was your all original yeah. fantastic I think that's what I've always tried to, to recapture yeah you know, it's <laughs> just pursuing that moment it's like <laughs> one of the that makes it worth it yeah. all, as we said before all the shit gigs to then do that one that's yeah. like yes and yeah. this is why I'm doing it and this love, is why I'm in yeah I always find traveling the business. is the most therapeutic thing for me if you get if you're getting bogged down as a band try and book something 
away from your your home mm-hmm. because it's fresh ears. I'm good, thanks, man. It's fresh ears, and and you get the opportunity to just relax because there aren't expectations, and you don't necessarily know anybody in the crowd, so you can just let go of all of that, you know, and, yeah. just, and have a have a good time. Yeah. You yeah. seem to. It, I think when you're away really and you've got a fresh time. crowd as well, you can really see how good you are. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a certain extent of it gives you your friends that will. Yeah, hype you up a bit. Back you up, hype you up, be there, and and you've got to have that audience. You've got to be there, and your friends. Mm-hmm. This is it's a really key core of your of your yeah. fan club, and, and and it's really important to stay close to those people. But when you go away and you've got nobody in the crowd that knows you, mm-hmm. and you've got you've just got to impress. Yeah, that Absolutely. is. It's a challenge. It's right? petrifying. Yeah. And it's also yeah. thrilling. And, it, yeah. and that's where you really measure yourself as being how good you really are. Yeah. Because if you can get those people that never heard you into it, into it, then I think it was uh, Glenn Hansen that was saying that being on the, uh, the street as the busking is the best stage ever because someone will pay a ticket to go to a show to be attended. They expect to get music. If you're sitting in the street and you're playing and no one has turned up, no one's bought a ticket, but you can catch people to listen to you. Mm. If you can do that, you can do any stage. Yeah, yeah, it's true. like you've you've done it. You've caught someone that's not there to go and listen to music or anything. You've managed to grab yeah, that audience. Exactly, so yeah, if you can do that, if people agenda. are already expecting it, that's half the job done. On, mm. on the flip side, a lot of DJs and stuff nowadays, they use hype dancers and stuff to, to go out into the audience and try and get them riled up to get them in. I have worked the, as, okay. as, as, as a hype dancer. As a dancer. <laughs> as events. a go-go dancer. You, you like. I, I used Greg to go to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the yeah. Not so much yeah. as a, Next a hot pants, but... Um, <laughs> I used to go to to pubs and I got paid free booze and stuff to get people to party. So um, that is a cool. You fuck, you've kept that quiet. You lock up and you get the first person on the dance floor and you just start rocking out and I've cut anyway, so I've been doing it anyway. But this time I'm not paying for it. And people would. Are you available for like hen parties? I'm available all the time as long as as the price is right. (laughs) Except that back back then I was I did cycles, so now you've just got this one pack on the dance floor, which (laughs) which is not looking as as it's a barrel belly, isn't it? Yeah, it's um. It's definitely present. I think it's the moment when you think that your belly is leading you down the road is the moment you go, maybe I should lose some weight. <laughs> your belly comes into the room before anything else does. But yeah, a lot of parties. There was a, 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 a local pub where I grew up once and they would basically give, it would be a free night just to go out and make people and get people involved. So instead of the barman, as barman does, you know, you get people to get a few shots in and things. Yeah, and so you can sell extra. As soon as they've had a couple of extra shots, they buy more drinks and things. But if you're there with the people as well and you're interacting, and it's all part of the entertainment thing. So you it means like, that- on, you're like a spy. You're like a party <laughs> spy. I was a party yeah. spy, yeah. And that's a good idea for a So band. next time when you're in a pub yeah, and someone's like coming that, up to yeah. you trying to get you to party, he might be employed by the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Partionage. I love it. That's great. Jeez. It's good fun. It is good Completely fun. Completely throw me now. I'm just seeing Greg in sparkly shorts. Yeah. It's just disco twerking. dancing. Well, <laughs> in the middle of the Fairlane Tavern. <laughs> we can make this happen, everyone. If we pull enough money together, uh, Greg will you, do you, this. You've got to. How much is. How much do you go out for? How much is a twerk sesh, Greg? <laughs> um, 
Perfect. Perfect. I think, I think back then it would be any excuse to get anything for free and £2.50 and 11 uh, sherbet well yeah <laughs> I think that I got to a point where I was running a tab at the pub anyway so it would just get taken off my tab I think pint of Guinness and a packet of fags so we need to make this happen a packet of dirty fags and a pint of Guinness to get me on the dance floor <laughs> you've got to you've got to not be afraid I think that's part of like being um, a musician in general. Yeah, is that on stage for sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it, you you've really got to sort of almost yeah. not care anymore what people think. You've got to push that aside. Yeah. It's really difficult because people do criticise and they do, uh, and it, and it can become quite sensitive almost, and 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 it can become quite upsetting as well when people are sort of criticising the way you are or, or how oh it's that guy over there and, but you've got to be able to block all that out I think and just do it because the majority of people who are there well depending on what you're doing I think that's that's also um, quite an age intense thing I think when when we when the band was younger the first five years I'd say that we had a lot of that but then once you're confident in what each of your roles are and what you're doing you do you unpack those things pretty easily mm. you're just like actually guys we're here to party mm-hmm. and you yeah. guys can do whatever the fuck you yeah, want to yeah. do but, but we're going to get our the job done. that transcends yeah. and carries through and the audience pick up on that I've always loved this idea about um uh, this positive feedback loop that you can get uh, with bands so as an as an audience member if you're going into a venue and a band starts playing and you're really up for it you just really up for it and that atmosphere in some ways communicates to the band and they pick up on oh there's the audience really up and for it and they get so, a bit more juicy so yeah. they get a bit more juicy so mm. then when they get juicy then you get more juicy <laughs> and it can work the other way around yeah. so the band get on stage and they really know their shit and they just playing really good and that inspires the audience yeah. and they mm. get more and then that whole juicy positive <laughs> feedback loop goes on and the whole thing what you're doing as soon as you get up it's got to be it just gets bigger and bigger you can Great. tell the band when they get up and it doesn't matter you've got to like it almost like blurs over to a certain extent the crowd and you just get up and you play and you and you mm. and, start, and you jump around and nobody else is jumping around but as long as you're doing that and then and people will get involved and I yeah, think they yeah, feel yeah, that yeah, and they yeah. feel that energy definitely some of it's just good old fashioned stagecraft and smoke and mirrors and all the tricks that the entertainment it helps or so. mm. will do but there's also a bit of a Jedi kind of force spiritual kind of thing that that if you've got the right attitude if you do it if you do it with sincerity if you believe in what you're doing that that communicates in a very fun set people want to have a good time even goths I think (laughs) it's it's that first thing of if someone people want to be able to get up and dance and once they've had a few drinks as well which is managed to get them relaxed into it the same thing as I said when you're when you party you've got to get those people up onto it and as soon as they see someone making a dick of themselves essentially then it's acceptable I can do that and then everyone's up and they're all dancing and it's like it's okay look at that guy he's loving it I can do that too and I'm not the centre of attention like I can mm. still get in there and enjoy and some people love to just join you and get straight in and mm-hmm. like they want to be part of the attention have as well you which seen is great leader you know, video. have you seen that leader video that is on YouTube I think you can get it and and uh, I, I've forgotten the name of the band that is playing so there is this 
great YouTube video that illustrates your point really, really well, Greg. And it's about, um, it's not about the first guy that gets up. So basically the, the, the videos of festival, it's, it's a hill and the band are playing. Every, yeah, and everyone's sitting down, chilled. It's a sunny afternoon. Everyone's sitting down. And one guy is just going nuts to this band and just doing crazy dancing. You know, the yeah. crazy dancing. And there's, always, there's always one at a festival. But, but, but <laughs> then this other guy goes to join that guy and also dances big crazy. <laughs> and he's the follower and he's actually the catalyst, the one that acknowledges what the crazy guy is doing. <laughs> and then other person, it's the second follower it's not the leader mm, not yeah, the yeah. first follower but the second follower then that that galvanises that so what makes a good leader that's what makes a good thing yeah. happen you need somebody being inspirational so we need then three grades at the gig yeah we need three grades at the gig three grades and then within that'd be awful that'd be within horrible within a minute of watching this video the whole hillside is up and it's dancing amazing. suddenly there's this critical mass that happens that everybody's dancing in a massively because they follow it's fantastic video guy, you should try and, try yeah, and we should, uh, we, check we, it out I'm going to check that out um, having said all that though I remember playing at a gig at the Tav we, we did um, this was back with Dead Ring again um, we played a gig with a band that came over I can't I can't remember their name I'm not going to shame them but uh, we, we played that gig it was a pretty dead gig to be honest it was really like poor attendance even though they'd come from the UK they were quite a sort of like supposedly well-known band over there and yeah so we, we 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 played our set and then they came on and they played as if they were playing to Wembley you know they were like oh, really? absolutely wow. like sort of like we're fucking rock stars we're doing our thing and that's not cool. it, it bombed it really bombed <laughs> to a certain extent yeah because they couldn't read the crowd they, they like didn't understand the that, like gonna, really? they're only a, mm. uh, you know like several people here and they're just here to just come <laughs> just watch some music there's a and there just wasn't enough people there to really make it look like a Wembley style gig and they I, they, they just missed the mark you know you've got to yeah. as much energy as they had they just didn't quite entertain and get people show. up mm. and make them feel welcoming and I remember mm. playing with a band and we had a percussionist who was um, very aggressive to a certain <laughs> extent. And I remember playing a gig and he just wanted people to party and it wasn't what we were doing, like style. It's all about getting that persona. That, that. And we used to do this thing with this band where we used to argue a lot on stage and insult each other and be like really rude. And, <laughs> but that was part of it and people really enjoyed it. And then we'd just dive in straight into some really deep love songs and everything. <laughs> and so you had these two sides and people really enjoyed that. But he got to this point where he was like get, trying to get people to dance when it wasn't a dancey song and I was cringing inside. And there was a moment where these people had turned up and they were, uh, they were friends and, and family friends who have seen me through years of, of, of playing and stuff. And they turned up and there was grandparents there and stuff. So they got, <laughs> managed to get a nice table front of the gig turn up early so they can listen to the music and just enjoy it and he's trying to pull away the table to get them up and dancing wow. and it was just so cringy and it's yeah, like the next well, song is getting up, and it's not yeah. like don't do it like mm. you can get them up and get people to get but you need to do that in your own self don't force it don't tell people what to do you need to sort of show an example i think to yeah. a certain extent and and once you're hyping up on stage, that's fine. But as soon yeah. as you start pushing it and making people do it, then it's that sort of barrier thing that comes in. And, uh... It's a sensitivity. It's a sensitivity mm. to the audience and to your fellow band members and 
it's about a sense of just tuning in basically isn't it you've got to be you you have to tune as in as you need to the audience for sure it's like this is when this the, <laughs> unless I, you're I Mark McGallay where he can play it's anything the cool, it's the cool or not cool about saying thank you after you've finished the song regardless of whether an audience has even put their hands thank you yeah, thank you very much yay you know and no one's even acknowledged that song <laughs> at all you know so what are you saying thank you for yeah. thank you no, for the no, opportunity no. to well I don't just if it's an intimate gig or or it's like a blase gig it's maybe not a bad thing because you maybe just say thank you and then it reminds people that you're there or you know I'm talking like if it's like a super mm. low key background mm. gig or if it's an intimate gig, then they might not want to clap. They might just be enjoying the actual moment. Yeah, yeah that's, there's yeah. too that's much clapping as well. Then, 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 then I just wonder about saying thank you. Then it just because uh, unfortunately to me sometimes right, okay. most of the time it just comes across as insincere. What would you like them to say instead? It's a bunch of Russia. Nothing. But I also you think like sometimes it's just habit. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. At the end of the song, when it comes out, because there's usually so much thank more. Thank God. Than <laughs> 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 it's not thank you. It's thank God. <laughs> oh, it's over. Thank Has God. Stopped? That's it's not the last song. Yeah, Can we get out of here? Thank God. I'm really. I paid four pound fifty for my pint. <laughs> thank you. Thank God. I really like the next song. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? Does go and see charge door fees? On certain venues, yeah. So the Fomain Tavern, we've got which is our sort of real band sort of venue. venue. Okay. We've got St. James as well, which is a concert hall, which will be opening up to more um, um, things, which is a ticketed event. And, and Fermain Tavern is a real venue. And most of the time, it seems to be the pubs that put things on. Right, yeah. But I think if a band really wants to do a showcase and do a real show and everything, they always go up. It's like mm. the Tav's the place because it's a... It's a, it's a, venue, it's a yeah. venue. It's mm. a music venue. And there's nothing... You can't do that in a pub. The pubs are awesome to play. Yeah. And there's you get a completely different vibe. But depending crowd, on, but and as you said, with the different acts that you put on, mm. um, each one suits that environment. Yeah. And with the venue one, you really got... Yeah. Um, well, that's the essence of you, hey. That's that's what kind of what you want to be at. What do you... What, what's, what's an average price at the door? I would... Fiverr? I would say a fiver, and I would say ten, 10 pounds yeah. for anyone that's coming, yeah, overseas. If, if, if it's something special, it would be tenish pounds, maybe thirty pounds at a push for something oh, really special. Yeah, like Black Alicious came across, and they're yeah. like thirty to twenty-five, yeah, something 30, like that. and people are very happy to play. Yeah, exactly. If it's, if it's a special event, something yeah. really big, it'll be up to thirty pounds, and then like ten pounds for sort of a UK act, and then it's maybe crazy, five pounds, and then it goes down to like three pounds for like. Just try to explain to people why they're paying. Just depending, you know, fiver for three bands so and what it actually nights. goes out that's to. Crazy, yeah. mm. Guernsey gigs have done the jam nights, and that's a donation. That's though, a donation yeah. based yeah. one, yeah. yeah. And we get nice donations, and people understand. And I think it's all about um, educating people mm. about why they're paying that. Like, what's that? That's that's you're paying a fiver. That's uh, that's venue, a little yeah. bit more than a beer, but that's basically a beer. Yeah. in the pub now and but that's the bands that do that and all the time that they've put in and as you talked about before like that waiting time once you've done the sound check you, people don't realise that you don't just turn up and play the gig you all the practice beforehand not, not even get into that but you the got, day of the event for the you're turning up and you're mm -hmm. you're there for eight hours so I've been at mm -hmm. venues where we have to set up yeah. early 
and you're setting up in the morning, get all the kit going, and then you've got seven, eight hours sometimes but to kill before you're actually on stage. It's, it's not just that And that's day, working though. hours. That's what, if yeah. anyone else were to do that in a business... Yeah, they'd be charging. Then they'll be charging. Yeah, and yeah. people don't see. And as soon as they understand that, and it's, it's not that they... It's because they don't see it. They see the end result, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But, but as but soon as they know it, then they're more willing to go, oh, though I realise why I'm doing that. No, it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. worth it. But it's not just that that day's worth of work. It's all of the, the effort that goes in before it. Like, you've got to pay for your practice room. You've got to pay for your, your gear, your replacement strings, like your microphones, all the promotion, your leads, all, the promotion the, all of the especially transport. Especially self-promoting yourself. And there there is know. so much behind the scenes that has to get covered as well mm. as just the day of setting up, sound checking, lights, sound. So it's pretty comfortable to say that the stepping stones would be open mics and free gigs, moving on to sort of pub venues. Then moving Yeah, on I to think open mics. Mm-hmm. There um, seems to be recent times, I don't know if other people have noticed, but um, I always consider an open mic as being... Um, Two songs, three songs max. Definitely, yeah. Mm. Two songs, um, I always think of it as being, try something that you haven't done before. See yeah. how it reacts to the crowd. Second song, do something that you know and that you're good at. So you get a bit of a, so people can pick up on what you do. Yeah. But that's kind of what I always think of it as. And the third song, you can do an in-betweener. So anything that really, really goes. But I always think that just one song, Try something new, unless it's like a, a drunk night out or whatever, you can play whatever, um, like I did this <laughs> week. Um, but that sort of, try something new, do it, experience it with the crowd, and then, and it doesn't matter. That's what an open mic's about. It's not about playing a show. Nobody's sacrificing anything to be. No, there. and you go to the, and people need, that's what it's about. And at the moment, it seems to be a lot of the time, a lot of open mics, it's almost like, this is my show, this it's is my gig. Case, yeah. And it's like, no, dude, mm-hmm. just like... Relax. Relax, it's okay. Yeah. I, I spoke to a, a gentleman who we saw last night, an Italian guy, and he was trying to do all these English songs. He was like, oh, it's because people want to see that. And But I wrote this Italian song and, and I want to get it recorded. And it got on the radio in Italy and stuff. And I was like, well, why aren't you singing that? Mm-hmm. Like... I want to hear totally, that. Like totally. that's that's different. That's new. Don't play something that someone else has played at every open mic. Yeah. Do that. And he got up and he played it, and it was killer, killer. Ten times better. It was really. It good. was. And I saw him the other day, yeah. and he's still playing that song. And, and, and it's like, yes, that's brilliant. Like, do that. Do that's what cool. you're. No, actually, shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> do something good. Don't you? Don't have done. to. You mm. can announce that. I mean, there's that. As you said, you do the covers and things, and I went to a moment I think some people have but I decided at one moment I'm no longer doing covers and I announced at the beginning of the gig I'm not doing any covers I'm not doing any requests and as soon as it's out there people are fine with it because yeah. <laughs> I got fed up like, you saying that we, uh, we went to an open mic in Barcelona um, and everyone was playing traditional Spanish, Spanish music um, not very well like you, you could tell people were just trying out stuff and experimenting yeah. with things but like um, uh, yeah Carrie got my girlfriend got up on stage and Jack Crisp as well and they both played like English just you know their, their sort of mm-hmm. standard stuff and it just went down an absolute storm everyone Something absolutely different. loved it just because it was just so different from what they it's were it's different to what you know, you're what used to what everyone else was playing and it was just mm. like it's you know, fresh there were people you need crying fresh. at the end of it it was like seriously people really? were really like whoa this is you know different and interesting yeah it was really 
Yeah, I think yeah, you can't, yeah. don't be afraid of I, doing I something new. I find myself crying after most of them. <laughs> 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 most of the kids find myself crying in a corner. Yeah, yeah. is that at the end of most does, days? Does that mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah. <laughs> but like, so you were saying before about the the covers and stuff, and also you brought it up at the start. Like, well, I think we should wade into the deep swamp of cool or not cool. Are covers cool? I think depending on the musician. My view is. There's some cover musicians out there who, um, Mitch McCleary, New Zealand artist, got in an argument once when someone, a cover artist in France who we were playing with said, yeah, I only do covers because all the good music has already been written. <laughs> and Mitch... Wow, wow. When, that's quite a statement. If, you, if no one write original music, you'd have nothing to play, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and got really angry. And it was that sort of, there's a clash, I think, in some... Um, and they've got their place. Personally, I don't. But this is a this is a time in your life. Yeah, we should yeah. also just mention, man. It is. I I don't know. I don't. What, what do you mean? It... So he's gotten to a point where he's like, I'm not playing covers anymore. Oh, I see what you mean. Mm. It's yeah, not like you've yeah. never played covers. No, no, no. <laughs> and I think there's a place, and there's something, and I like to play obscure sort of covers, and and I think there is a there's something, but I don't understand. Oh, I, do, I kind of do, but I don't understand why you would want to go and see a less good version of... I don't think it's about that, really. I think there are opportunities available where some places want entertainment and they want it to be broad and they want it to be accessible. And you can have that opportunity or not, and it's up to you. Yeah. You know. And you've got to do it almost to... I suppose, like we said, the masses. Some people, we, we've got Fade to Grey over here. Mm. who um, I watched a few months ago and they, I mean, they ran the tap. They've been, they're an 80s band. They get all dressed up. It's just, oh, there's not a drum, drum kit on stage. It's all synthesizers. And they put on a wicked gig. Mm. I was completely, mm. like, as much as it's not my, my vibe, I, the last time yeah, I saw them, I've seen them a couple that. of times recently. They were brilliant. I thought they were excellent. It was You love the 80s, you and your <laughs> sparkly shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really good, and people, and I can understand why people want to sort of, they know the songs, they can sing along. It's yeah. it's part of, but, 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 but it's, it's so much more. But would they do the same if it was just an eighties DJ in the room spinning eighties tracks? If they filled so. the filled the room and they just had a couple of go-go dancers on stage just spinning the same music. And and actually, don't forget, you know, like classical musicians and orchestras are playing covers all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. because True. they're good songs. Yeah, they're, they're good tunes. They're 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 beautifully written pieces of art that is are interpreted in different well, ways. Also, I mean, it's fine. The thing is, you have this opportunity to explore other other elements as well. I just find it all learning curves. Like. I'm I'm not actually the biggest fan of covers. I enjoy jazz because there's the improvisation element to mm -hmm. it. Mm. So I find the standards to be a bit more forgiving. But even in that, I found that the purest jazz players don't want you to be there. So yeah, you're not actually welcome there either. So it's it's kind of like it's tricky when you. This is my life, you know. It's all I do is play guitar and and produce music, and then I need to make that work on some level, you know. So I don't necessarily, I don't want to say I don't enjoy playing covers, but it's like, I, it's not my passion. Mm, yeah. But you know what? My job 
is to create music and entertain people. Mm. And that needs to happen in that sphere if I'm going to earn money mm -hmm. and, and make this a viable living, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm going to do what I need to do. And I bumped into a guy who once just said to me, you know what? I don't mind. I'll get it. Like, I mean, this guy like would literally play lowest common denominator. You know? He just goes for it. And he's got the songs and they're all in G and he just cranks them up. <laughs> it's one of those kinds of cover players. And he was just like, doesn't matter, man. I'm getting money. I'm jamming. I'm having a good time. And you're playing. I'm, I'm drinking a couple of beers. And that's his personal preference, you know. But for me, I really do see music as an art. It's mm -hmm. all about the craft for me, you know. And even when I am doing covers, it's not that I try and do them exactly like the artist, but I try and do them in some way that I feel comfortable mm -hmm. having done them, if mm -hmm. I put it that way. You know? Yeah, you kind of make a compromise. Um, <clears throat> interesting story. I, I uh, When I was in the 80s and playing with a young band in Guernsey, we moved to the UK, we had some connections with the record industry, and we went to a studio to record a demo with a guy called Nigel Gray, who ran Surrey Sound Studios, who, the, the police their first three albums and Roxy Music, they recorded their first three albums with Nigel Gray and in Surrey Sound Studios. And apparently one of the stories was that the, the, the police, when, when they were rehearsing before a recording, would basically go through the top 20 and they would play wow. every single song from the top 20. But you feel like that Sting's prerogative, eh? The, he was, <laughs> and he was a jazzer, you know, he came from a jazz sort of background. But And, and that was about wearing somebody else's uh, clothes, somebody else's shoes, and getting comfortable in that, and stretching yourself as a musician and as a performer to think in a different That's way. That's quite interesting exercise, yeah. And, sure. and I remember going to like a drum teacher and saying and him saying so you can play drums so, but what do you want to learn i said well jazz because that seemed like the you know the the uh the goal the, yeah. the really challenging kind of thing he said well jazz is easy it's just a different way of thinking it's just you need to mm. put yourself in a different mm. set mind, yeah, yeah don't lead with the bass drum lead with the cymbal lead with the ride just go at it from a different angle it was that was a really freeing thing so i think putting yourself in somebody else's shoes is a really good learning mm. curve for any musician. Try any things band out. Or something. Try something out. Don't be scared and to something. You don't of... have to do it because you want to sound like Kylie Minogue doing Turning Around or something like that. Or any of those songs. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Turning Around. Songs. Was that, but, but, was that but, the last song you heard on the radio? Right? Kylie <laughs> I don't know. I just grabbed for an 80s reference. <laughs> What's the one about the train? <laughs> Locomotion. There we go. I guess. But, yeah, that's an old soul song um, but it's about putting yourself it's about challenging yourself and putting yourself in in, in another framework mm. which stretches you a bit mm, yeah. so, to then inform your own process absolutely I don't think there's ever been a band that hasn't covered someone ever yeah. there, there, there's yeah. like to, to learn how to jam together you often cover other people's stuff just because mm. What, what are we going to play? Oh, we'll play something we all know. It's a common know? language. Like, yeah. Everyone will sort of get together and go, oh, well, I, I like a bit of Black Sabbath. Let's just jam a bit of Black Sabbath. You know, mm -hmm. I like a bit of ACDC. Let's just yeah. get right. out of the way. Mm -hmm. it's, a good, it's a good way to go, right? We all know this. Let's just, just yeah. have, a, have a bit of a jam. But I'd like yeah. to say, that if, if your band can sustain an audience and you guys can write three hours worth of material, then obviously rather than do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're um, sure. Like, I think don't be scared of doing your own thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that's totally. the key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have have the covers. I mean, if you're gonna have covers in your original set, there'll be like <clears throat> one or two max. You know. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a, a, a Wilco band, American band, 
Sounds familiar. Um, they do every song they do. They write the song, and then when they're in the studio, they play the same song, but in a completely different style. Mm. And they'll be like all the, and they'll find the right one. So it's mm. it's all about that sort of challenging yourself to and being able to accept that your original thought might not be right. Mm. Yeah, like, or, or that might, artist, be, might be better. Or might be better. Yeah, that artist we were saying like giving that freedom to the musician who's with you to do that. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult because sometimes when you've really got a, an idea of the song, you know how it wants to go. <laughs> and essentially, you would have to play every instrument. Yeah. So yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, yeah. certain songs where I know that's what I want and I think I want to And then you hear it. i got to do like, it all. Yeah. And then you listen and you're like, oh, that was fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but having that influence from that other artist, you've got to be able to leave that space, mm -hmm. I think. And that makes it better. And it improves you as a musician and mm -hmm. it develops. And it's, it's, it's making yourself... I think in the music, mm. oh, we say this, but we've got to re-debate it numerous times. Like, <laughs> yeah. As you're always striving for something new. You're always trying to do something better. And that's what makes it interesting. You, you, you're just creating. Cre and that's what man needs to do to, to stay. It is, um, the painter, Neil Young, if you follow every dream, you the might painter. get lost. Yeah. So you've got to constantly have something going or a project or something that makes you... So I think the, the 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 true question, the real like underlying question is tribute acts. This is getting really cool. deep. Podcast, I think that is the man. next one, right? Surely. Oh, I don't know. I, I I think it comes down to the point that uh, Nick made. If it gets you through, mm. if it if it ticks your boxes, if yeah. it, if if that's what fits into your lifestyle as as a musician <clears throat> then do it because yeah. it, it's cool yeah. it's cool for if, you if it's not for fun, us to sit here and judge what's cool <laughs> and what's not cool in some ways yeah, I mean uh, we've got microphones you, I'm thinking I'm thinking you're saying it's not cool <laughs> if we've got microphones surely we, we, we are the ultimate <laughs> sayers of what is cool and not cool there, there, there are other people out there with microphones what? I think oh, you're fine this is yeah. bullshit why are we doing this yeah, I'm so sorry <laughs> it's true uh, you don't I want, want to generate a um Anti anti podcast, <laughs> yeah, a, a rage against the podcast. Yeah, that, that, that'd be good. Cool. Wow. Right. Should we wrap this up? I think we should yeah. finish. Yeah, yeah. Right I think it's done. I mean, cool. we, we've eaten most of this sausage. Yeah. So that's good. Well, um, I think that's definitely not cool, though. Is wearing wigs when you're a tribute act. <laughs> wearing wigs at any time is not cool. All right, we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> for sure. Nick, it's been really nice getting yeah, to know you. Yeah, it's been yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks for coming uh, out. Thanks for coming to Guernsey just to be on this podcast. This is the main right. reason I came. Let's this is honest. the only reason you came. I actually only came to get you drunk last night. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Never again. It worked. It worked. So we got me. I wasn't going to drink. It was just him. He just kept on. I'm like <laughs> fuddling me me booze constantly and I'm saying no 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 I don't want to just wanted a lemonade was yeah, this whatever, before after you whatever. bought two pints for yourself <laughs> god knows <laughs> anyway so we're, we're doing a little secret gig later on this evening with uh, with, with yourself um, yeah. maybe we'll record this maybe we'll put a little bit oh, extra on the fun. podcast yeah that's uh, good but mm. we'll see we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap this up <laughs> now and how, then, kind of well, we'll, we'll see how the recording so turns are, are you coming back then when, when, uh, yeah, yeah. and when's the next time the, uh, the Yes, I have nothing booked at the moment, but um, yeah, now that I've got a few more contacts, I can make some more stuff happen. Coolies. A next so, Guns and Geeks event? Yeah. Oh, right, how would people get hold of you to kind of book either Hot Plastic or 
the yeah, other I'll, I'll do some plugging. I'll supply you guys with all the uh, relevant links and people can just click and on it. And they the can tabs. just get mm. cool. Nice. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Cheers. It's awesome. So uh, let's get some cheese. Yeah, oh my God, we can do cheese yeah, again. Cheese again, yeah, cheese. it's all about cheese. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to put some clothes on after this? No, I'm just going to go out there and make it. <laughs>